0: It's about that time for the inside trim. You know that
1: nasty trim. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Are you ready? You better be ready, bro. If you're about to get inside trim. And we're back. What's up, wrestling fans? Oh yes, we's definitely back. Episode number twenty of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. That is number twenty. That's kind of a that's kind of a big milestone. Yeah, that's a uh, that's all right. It's all right. It's this all right. is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. My name is Brandon Olinger, and I am joined here by my main partner in crime, Ben Watson. Don't wind up on your back, bro. That's good advice. We definitely recommend not winding up on your back, bro, because you might not win
2: the match. Yeah, depending on what you're doing.
1: Depend- There's some when you want to wind up yeah, on your back.
2: Yeah, I've wound up my back a few times. With your wife. Yeah, that's what I meant.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Listen, as I said, this is episode number 20. This is a big <laughs> night for Ben and I. We never thought we would make it this far, but we are here. We are happy about that. If you want to follow us, follow us on the Twitter at Inside Trip. One. one yeah, I'm at, sorry. at the inside trip one at the one. inside trip one. Man, it's been a long time. You can also night.
2: follow me at Ball at in at Ball Law and follow you at Brando four one three.
1: There you go, buddy.
2: There we go. We got
1: Send it. us an email to the inside trip one at gmail dot com. We've actually been fortunate enough to get some great emails from people lately. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the suggestions. We appreciate the questions and we'll be sure to incorporate them. No doubt. All right, listen, you can find our podcast at all the typical podcast locations, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, of course. Listen to us, subscribe, download, listen, rate, review, do all that great stuff because we love it. Ben, what do you got to say, Bo?
2: No, I love it. I love it. I love doing this. It's wow. it's really fun, and tonight was actually really awesome because we had an amazing guest.
1: We did have an amazing guest tonight. Listen, As many of you have known, the last few weeks we've had some guests on. We've had a great time talking to these guests tonight. We have a very special guest for you guys. That is Julia Salada. She is a member of the women's national team. She is coming off a university nationals championship, and she is preparing for the world team trials that is taking place next month in Las Vegas. And I'm telling you right now, she is an absolute wrestling nerd. We mean that in the best way possible because this girl just loves to talk wrestling. Yeah,
2: I mean, it was an amazing podcast to just listen to talk wrestling. You know, uh, she's done other podcasts, and, and they've been absolutely fantastic, but I I think that we were able to get actually a different side, you know, that the you know the other podcasts might not have, have delved into. So I think that you're going to really enjoy listening to Julie and I, uh,
1: the Inside Trip, talking. I really hope so. Um, she's got so much to offer to the sport. She's so knowledgeable about all aspects of wrestling, whether it's high school women's wrestling, men's wrestling, D one, D two, D three, WWE, Roman, freestyle, WWE. I mean. Listen, she's a, she was a little somber tonight. She was a little sad about The Undertaker last night at WrestleMania. Damn.
2: That's a big upset. I don't even know what happened, <laughs> bro. <laughs> All, All
1: right, right, man. So we had the pleasure of having her on tonight as a guest. I hope you guys listen to this. Stick through it. Listen to the end. This girl's got mad knowledge on wrestling, and she is by far one of our most favorite people to talk wrestling with. So without further ado, we bring you Julia Salada. Alright, what's up everyone? Tonight, for episode number 20, the Big 20th Anniversary Podcast, we have the Julia Salata on the line with us. What's up, Julia? What's up, boss? Thanks for joining us tonight to do this podcast, fresh off a recent University Nationals Championship. How's yeah. that feel? Yeah.
3: Uh, it feels good, man. It was number three. It was my last year being able to compete in that tournament, so uh, I'm glad I was able to go out with a W.
2: Hey, we're pumped about that, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, honestly, we were a little concerned about having you on if you weren't going to win that tournament. I was. Yeah, we were. <laughs> that li- would have
3: been really bad and like really depressing. We were lining so. up
1: backup guests, so like I was, I had Victoria's number on speed dial. Oh,
3: ooh, ouch! I'm,
2: just,
1: ouch. I'm kidding. Okay, so this is our tw- this is our 20th episode. It's
2: like a birthday. Mm-hmm. We turned 20 years, 20 weeks old oh, today, cute. and you just turned 24, mm-hmm. right?
3: I did yesterday.
2: Well, happy freaking birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. You gotta sing it back. I feel
3: well, everyone no. keeps telling me I'm not old, but I feel really old. Not nah, like, know. Twenty four seems like I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's pretty old. Listen, you gotta <laughs> ch- you gotta chill with that old shit on the social media because you make <laughs> like literally next week I actually turn old. Like I'm going to turn very old next week, so just chill.
2: He's about to turn what, forty? <laughs> Thirty seven. I'm just kidding. Yeah.
1: So, Ouch. Yeah. I know. Ooh. That
2: that's super old, Ooh. man. <laughs> I don't, I, what were what we talking about? I don't know.
1: So what would you do to celebrate your birthday, Julia?
3: Uh, well, I went I think I kind of texted you about it on accident. Um, there's a place in town called Fern Valley Farm that does like a five-course farm-to-table dinner uh, twice a month. It's like very exclusive. You have to have like email reservations and be on the guest list and stuff. But I actually ended up getting on the list for that. So went there with a couple of friends. And then my birthday, I watched WrestleMania. So that was <laughs> – I, I, dude, I live for WrestleMania. I live for pro wrestling in general. Are you, so, it was a good time.
1: So one thing I've noticed about you... So we were fortunate enough... To, mm. I'll just let people know. We were fortunate enough to meet Julia um, in St. Louis at Ballpark Village after one of the sessions. Um, and the first thing that, that I noticed was that, A, you could probably just talk wrestling for hours. You were like... And B, you're just a big wrestling nerd, aren't you?
3: I'm a nerd. I am a nerd junkie, whatever you want to call it. That's <laughs> I don't know if it's problematic or not yet, but uh, I spend most of the hours of my day thinking about wrestling.
2: So speaking of that... I heard the Undertaker lost.
3: Dude, I don't even get me started. Tell me. Can about I go on that. a tangent real quick? Can I go on a tangent? You go. It's your show. All right. So the whole reason I got involved with wrestling was because as a kid I loved pro wrestling. Like I loved John Cena, I loved Brand Jordan. I you know, that's like what got me interested in the sport. Even though it's completely you know, it's not real wrestling, like that's what got me interested. And the Undertaker has been my favorite wrestler of all time since I was like seven years old. Like I remember I had like an old W C W video game. And like I was nice. always the Undertaker, and so you got, I mean it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's like it's some in some weird way the Undertaker kind of catalyzed my wrestling career. If I had never seen the Undertaker, I never would have watched pro wrestling. I never would have wanted to you know come home with a flyer for my mom and saying, "Mom, I want to wrestle." So I owe the Undertaker a lot for my own personal wrestling career in a really <laughs> weird roundabout way. So I'm not gonna say I cried last night, but I got all choked up yeah, when last dong went off and he went and when he went, I didn't cry. I didn't. I'm The last of my crowd was actually Olympic Trials. Because we want to get really depressing, but yeah, let Let's um, get, let's get, let's cry, get real deep and dark. Yeah, when, <laughs> when that when that last dong went off and he went down like he had like a little trap door elevator that he went down. I was uh, I was a little choked up for sure.
1: Like well, it's the end, right? He's done, right?
3: He's done. Yeah, went on a loss to Roman Reigns, and that's oh, I can go on a tangent about that too. But you don't like Roman that's Reigns for another you? podcast. I, don't, I hate Roman Reigns. Uh,
1: dude, I,
2: he's my, my, I he's my
3: they, least favorite They use wrestler. him very poorly. Yeah, they they used him so poorly, like, and they thought like having him beat the Undertaker would put him over, and it's not going to work. It just annoyed everyone. I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I'm not a fan.
1: You love the Hardy boys, though, don't you?
3: Oh, I love, it. dude. I don't know if you guys want to like hear this or not, but dude, I think Jeff Hardy is so hot, like in his old weird ass <laughs> way. Like, he's Isn't a beautiful old, man. Though? Even at hi, he's 39 years old now, and he's still beautiful to me. That's so. like super Hardy, old. not so much. He looks creepy, but yeah, dude, that's, that's... Jeff Hardy, Woo! my man. Uh...
2: Okay, so we we know that Jeff Hardy is your man. You ever reach out to him or anything like that? Hit him up on Tinder or something? No,
3: I'm going to sli- I'm I'm slide his <laughs> DM.
2: No, Are sliding. you? I'm going
3: to slide his DMs. Hey, how is that? You want know the... a fun fact? Yeah. Because I want to know tangent. You want to know another fun fact about Tinder? Yeah. When I was in Rio, I matched with Ricky Fowler on Tinder,
2: the golfer. Did you So really? Ricky Fowler, and how'd I that go? I swear to God, yeah. I need to know how that went.
3: I never messaged him. I was like too kind of I was kind of weirded out. You chicken. But we, you... we were mostly just swiping like, me and Becca others were just like trying to find friends. Like, I'm actually not a big Tinder fan, but we're like, oh, you we should find other Americans to hang out with. Because, like, there were times when we were bored because we were just training partners. And Ricky Fowler came up and I swiped right because it was Ricky Fowler. I heard <laughs> Nothing that, ever came of it. But. Yeah,
2: I heard that, like, everybody that uses Tinder is just to find friends, right?
3: Um, Sure. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> That's
1: funny. I'm going to remember that when my kids are using Tinder.
2: Yeah, Dad, I'm just <laughs>
1: trying to find friends. <laughs> All right, Julia, talk to, talk to me yeah. about this ear, man. Your ear looked gnarly. Dude. How's it doing?
3: I've only. It's actually really good, um, surprisingly. I just got the stitches out yesterday. I had uh, 14 stitches in my ear um, after they drained it and stuff, and the doctor actually did a bang up job. And I've seen a lot of people have that done where they get those sutures put through it and it still looks terrible. But um, the doctor I went to knew exactly what she was doing. She had dealt with a lot of cow in the past, weirdly enough. Um, I actually had to wait seven and a half hours in the ER because every doctor that came in either didn't know what to do, or it was so bad that they didn't know how to handle it because it was like, it was almost like inside my ear. Like it wasn't just like my ear like most people, like it went like inside, like my ear canal. Ooh, um, Jesus. so they ended up having to call in an ENT from about 40 minutes away. So it all was said and done. I, I got to the ER at two in the afternoon and I was there until nine thirty PM. Um, but she sewed it up ahead on her for five days and it stuck. It was so bad. Um, but I got it off yesterday. That was another fun thing I, thing I did on my birthday, and uh, it looks pretty good so far. So, so, so I mean, why'd you, it's why, not why, pretty, but
1: why'd you have it fixed?
3: Yeah, um, it was it was so big to the point where I was nervous that it was going to pop if I did anything at all. Ooh, yeah.
2: Um, we were just watching like it that. wasn't
3: even like you know what, you know how it's like squishy kind of sort of. Like, yeah. It wasn't even squishy. It was so. I had like Jupiter on the side of my head. Was it really purple? Um,
2: was it really purple?
3: Yeah. Oh dude. It was like I had like a navy blue shirt on at the tournament that day and someone I think it was actually Emma Randall. She's like, dude, your here's the color of your t shirt right now. Like so it was it was pretty gnarly. So I just wanted to get it drained so it didn't explode. Um but I'm sure it'll come back a little bit and I'll keep it, but I just wanna be able to wrestle and I couldn't wrestle with it how it was.
1: So you're back to wearing headgear for a few days, aren't you?
3: Yeah, I feel like a scrub, man. I hate headgear.
2: Solid. Dude, only scrubs wear headgear. I
3: <laughs> Only scrubs wear headgear. Every single guy in the NCAA scrubs.
2: No, I was about to say, unless you're in the NCAA and you're required.
3: <laughs> yeah, you have to. Which is but bullshit. Yeah, and freestyle, it, it's so dumb. And for girls in college, we don't have to wear headgear. I mean, we're also wrestling freestyle, but if college girls don't have to wear headgear, neither should college guys. They're old enough to make that decision if they want gnarly ears or not.
1: No
2: arguments for me on that one. So do you like the gnarly ears? Nah. Do you like the gnarly ears? Both yours and on guys.
3: I mean, yeah, it makes them look tougher. It makes you know they're not afraid to like scrap. You know, they're not yeah. a little bitch. And that's yeah. good.
2: No, no, because we asked uh, Zach Brunson. He was he was our guest last week, and I was asking mm-hmm. him if it helped him pick up chicks, and he said it hadn't helped.
3: Yet. <laughs> <laughs> He's not talking to the right girls. That's what I'm that's thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was the sweater he had yeah. on. Ballpark Village, man. Oh, dude. Did you see him at the Ballpark Village?
3: Yeah, I did. <laughs> that's
2: that sweater that last night. <laughs> oh, that sweater game. We already gave him shit about it. it so it's, it's all right. It was a little, yeah, you know what? But he'd find that hippie chick, you know, who knows? Doesn't shave her armpits, boom,
3: he's in. (laughs) Hey, if that's his kind of girl, man, more power to him.
1: All right, listen, we got to bring this up because you kind of, you know, you kind of put us up against some uh, hefty competition in this recent Twitter poll about best intro music.
3: Yeah, um, (laughs) I don't really know what me think of. I think I was listening to that bonus points podcast that I did. I was listening to the intro music, and I remember, like, someone had tweeted you guys um, around the time you did the interview with Pat Downey, saying like, "Yo, the Inside Trip intro music, it's so sick, man, it's so sick." And like, Yeah no, I'm a little partial of Blood Round—that's my home state—and they kind of have their original song, so I want to put it out there and see what wrestling Twitter thought of who truly owned the best wrestling Twitter podcast.
2: Well, it was actually our who boy. Song it, battle. Was our, <laughs> it was our boy. It was our boy Jared Garnett from—he's uh, an assistant coach at North Dakota State oh, University. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't know him, but you know, he's a friend. He's a friend of the podcast. We love him. He's always, you know, he's tweeting out saying we got the best intro music. And I and I tend to agree mm-hmm. that we got the best intro music. What do you think?
1: You said Blood Round had the best hey. intro music, Ben. No, I
2: didn't say they had the uh, best.
3: I I'm I'm a little partial to Blood Round. Because they, be. they are Michigan podcasts and stuff, but I still have not been on Blood Round. I've been on every podcast in America except for Blood Round. So as far as I'm concerned, you guys are leading the way right now That's what or, I'm until talking they about. put me on.
2: Look, I love Tommy B. Yeah. I love Kevin Clonch. You know, I've drinking beers with them mm-hmm. on multiple occasions. They're fun dudes. But all I'm saying is, Inside Trip, that's
1: what's up with, with the intro music.
0: Well, look, I
3: dig it. I'm not going to lie. I dig it.
1: Look at it this way. Listen, It T- blood Round's got great intro music man that stuff is professionally done it is original you should have seen ben and i when we were first doing this ben was literally holding <laughs> a little speaker up to a microphone i'm playing music on <laughs> off my phone and we're trying to you know turn the volume down to make it fade out
2: yeah a nice fade out like that and then brandon one day you know he drops his little nice little intro in there we do have i would say that we do have the best slogan don't wind up on your back bro i mean oh not, absolutely That,
3: that I, that's not even debatable
2: yeah, that thing is, that thing is already trademarked, Trademarked, and I tell you what, it's going to be on our T-shirts that we're getting made,
3: so we'll make
1: sure to send you one.
3: <laughs> Rad, I can't wait. I'll wear it with pride. I look
1: at those podcasts like this. When I saw you put that poll up, I was like, oh, this is not going to be good because you've got – Look, bonus points in short time are like the godfather and the professional, okay? And then you've got Blood Round, who's like the cool – you know, they're the, like they're, cool. the, they're the underground cult kids that everybody like wants to follow. The hipsters, and then here you got me and yeah. Ben. We're like the two nerds that are sneaking no, into the we ain't party. We're nerds. We're no. bros. <laughs> we're <laughs> straight, we're
2: <laughs> straight up bros, dude. We're like the two
3: nerds
1: sneaking into the party, hoping not to get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough about that. Let's move on.
3: You, so, guys, you guys held your own in that poll. I think you guys took second behind Blood Round. Seconds the first, sure.
1: Seconds the first loser,
3: Julia.
2: Yeah,
1: if you ain't first, you're last.
3: Damn right, you. I'll take third grade logic any day. First the worst, second the best.
1: All right, uh, so a great
3: playground. Logic always wins out.
1: Absolutely. All right, so you're from Michigan. Are you a big Michigan UM fan?
3: Yeah, both my parents are Michigan alums, so I don't have much of a choice. Go Ooh. blue all
1: day. Well, that leads us – you kind of already mentioned this. We do have to say thank you mm-hmm. for coming on to our podcast, Two Ohio Guys, before you do the, you know, that yeah. certain well-known podcast featuring <laughs> two Michigan guys. Hey, Julia,
2: can we, can we get an
1: OH?
0: No, oh <laughs> no, she said, oh.
3: oh,
1: that's, that's
2: original. Right, I remember that.
3: Definitely not.
1: That's that. original.
3: Although, right. I won't lie. I'm actually, when it comes to wrestling, I'm actually an Ohio state fan. Oh, right. football, anything else, never in a million years. I will never, ever, hell no. But I, I am an Ohio state wrestling fan. I think they have a great program and, uh, and I'm a fan of all the guys on their team.
1: Nice. Yeah, we agree. They got a pretty good yeah. program, pretty good coach. We've been kind of fortunate the last few years. So, okay. i big about, Tom Ryan fan. Uh, oh, he's great. Um, he's a mm-hmm. handsome, handsome older gentleman. And that's a, the awkward silence. True we'll story. just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: I was drinking my slushy when you said
0: that, so.
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking at Ben like, I don't even know what to say to you.
2: <laughs> so anyways, so you're from Michigan, mm-hmm. right? You wrestled at Canton? Yeah. Okay. And your head coach was Corey Mancuso. Oh, here we yes, go. Yes, sir. And Corey Mancuso and I wrestled on the same team in college.
3: No shit, you, at Slippery
2: Rock? At Slippery Rock, yes we did.
3: No
0: way, Yeah, we were. Know that.
2: Yeah, we were roommates for uh, a couple years. Um, we no were. Shit, we that's were,
0: awesome.
2: Yeah, we were really good friends. We kind of had a falling out. I'm not going to get into it, why? Man, Kuso stole <laughs> his girlfriend. No, he didn't steal my girlfriend, bro. I'd, <laughs> I'd already broken up with her. Anyways. Um, Kuso! No, so anyways, yeah, you can ask him about the backstory, but he's a good dude, I like that guy. <laughs> can he still bench press like a freaking million pounds?
3: Most likely, probably. Yeah, that dude
2: had the biggest pecs I'd ever seen.
3: Anyways. Dude, he does.
2: Yeah, they're like huge. So I used to
3: think he just wore like shirts that were too small for him, but then I realized <laughs> that he actually just did have like a huge chest. Yeah,
2: so it's like abnormally, Puzo. It's abnormally large. So yeah, if, you know, do you still talk mm-hmm.
3: to him? Yeah, um, whenever I'm home for break and stuff, I uh, usually go. He's actually not coaching at Canton anymore, um, so I don't see him as much. But him and my mom actually work together. He, he's a teacher in the school district, and so is my mom, so she still talks to him a lot and stuff, and I still hear from him every once in a while.
2: Good. Well, next time you talk to him, tell him Ben Watson says hi
1: for sure all right let's get back to julia um you already said you kind of basically got into wrestling because of the whole you know john cena stuff totally get it i was kind of Mm -hmm. the same way i was kind of a late start Mm -hmm. didn't start till i was in the eighth grade and all i knew about wrestling was a big boss man and hulk hogan and (laughs) ultimate warrior and whatnot um so how old were you when you started wrestling i was 14 Okay, and I'm kind of interested about this Ultimately because, well, a couple of reasons One, I've got a little girl And uh, Mm -hmm. it's so funny When I told her that girls wrestled She couldn't believe it And I was like, hey, do you want (laughs) to wrestle? And she's like, no And then I started showing her videos And pictures of actual, you know You guys today, like you And um, Adeline Gray and Helen Marulis And uh, uh, Allie Reagan And she was like, wait a minute Those girls are the wrestlers? Like, like, (laughs) you know Like they look normal Like normal women I'm like, They're not,
3: yeah They're not like big, scary, like haven't shaved their legs in six months, like the this, this stereotype, you
1: know? Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah. Uh, what did your parents think at first?
3: Uh, well, the first time I presented the idea to my mom, she shot me down and it was, didn't have anything to do with wrestling. I was just playing like 19. Like, when I say I was playing 19 sports, I was probably playing like six or seven sports at the time. Um, I was really big into softball. I was really big into hockey. I played indoor soccer. I played volleyball. I played basketball. And, when I told her I wanted to wrestle, I came home for this with this flyer in seventh grade. She's like, dude, no. Like, you are not, like, we do not have time. Like, there's no way. And I was like, all right, fine, whatever, whatever. And then the next year, that was for, like, club wrestling. And the following year, they decided to start up uh, middle school wrestling in the district. It was the first year they were trying it out. It was just going to be, like, a five- or six-week thing. It was 15 bucks for, like, a t-shirt and shorts. And I'm like, Mom, like, it's six weeks after school. Like, it's not going to take any time out. Like, I had, I had a, a small break in my schedule. I was like, well, just let me wrestle. She's like, all right, fine, whatever, go ahead. So I started doing it. Like the first tournament we had was, it was actually the only tournament of the year, but it was the city tournament with all the middle schools. And I ended up winning that tournament. And in the process, I beat one of these kids who was kind of like one of those up and coming kids in the area who was like, Oh, this kid's an eighth grader. and He's going to make a big impact next year. He could be a state qualifier next year as a freshman. And I ended up being this kid in the process. His name was Nick Rizzo. And, um, the tournament, the, where the tournament was at, was actually at Canton High School, where I was going to go next year. And the coach there saw me, and, and my middle school coach is one of the assistant coaches at the high school, too. And so he came up to me, he's like, hey, are you going to wrestle in high school next year? I'm like, no, nah, man, this was like, it was a fun little experiment, because I always like pro wrestling, but that's probably it for me, it's during basketball season, and whatever. So uh, next year came around, like, I kind of like, not fizzled out on basketball, but it wasn't as fun for me as it used to be. Um, and so there was an informational meeting meeting for wrestling coming up. Um, that's my mom, she said, dude, why don't you go? Like you liked it. You were good at it. Like stick with it. So I went to the meeting, um, a bunch of friends that I had on the team kind of convinced me to go. And as soon as we started talking about, you know, their goals for the season, the success they had, had the previous year, um, I, I was kind of hooked. So I started wrestling again my freshman year and I-, I stuck with it.
1: Nice. So, yeah. So a small start like that. And then ultimately it leads you to where you are now. And, Correct me if I'm wrong. One of the things I, I really dislike right now is that it's so easy to find information on men's wrestlers, but it's a little difficult to find like the detailed stats on the on the women wrestlers, but
3: It's so hard. There's nothing. But From
1: what I was able to find and you tell me if I'm wrong here, you were a four-time WCWA All-American, a two-time WCWA National Champion. You just won your third university national champion and you were runner-up twice, correct?
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I made the finals all five
1: times, I made the finals all five times. You no took, big deal though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Um, <laughs> you took a, a bronze at the 2014 university worlds, correct? Hmm. Um, you took second at the 2014 world Tri- team trials. So that's put you on the U S team the last three years, correct? Um, And then you've placed at pretty much every other tournament from the Pan-American Champions Championships, the Grand Prix of Paris, U.S. Open, and whatnot. What other big accomplishments am I missing out here? Because I think I heard that you also have won a ton in Fargo.
3: Yeah, um, I was actually a three-time junior national champ in Fargo. Um, When I was in high school, we didn't have cadets yet for the women. Every single person was just lumped into the junior tournament. So my freshman year, I went out there, and I sucked. I wrestled 116 my freshman year out there um i went one and two in the actual individual tournament and then we actually host our junior duels out there as well right after the individual tournament's over and i went oh and two in duels and i ended up like making a bet with my dad after the tournament I'm Like, dad like if i win fargo next year you have to let me get a tattoo and he's like okay cool you just went one and four cool get a tattoo fine deal <laughs> um so i busted my ass all year i went out there my sophomore year i ended up wrestling 146 30 pounds heavier and i won fargo
0: um nice. so my dad's like
3: oh well, dang
0: <laughs> um so what of t- you know, what said, tattoo kind of, did you get
3: actually didn't get anything right then um my first tattoo ended up being a like my dog's paw print i had like an ink blot of it um <laughs> and it like, transferred it out and yeah so my my puppy ruby you're my new um, favorite then wrestler it being my first tattoo. you're my new favorite Aww, wrestler. i'm a huge dog
1: That's fan cute. i'm a huge
2: dog i fan. love
3: my dogs yeah love i love dogs. my dogs what more than of, most people more than all people but what kind of dogs you got uh, Ruby was a black lab, and then our current dog Dixie is half black lab, half Australian shepherd. Oh, okay. Ben, what do you mm. got?
2: I I got a labradoodle, which is the most manliest dog oh, dude, on those, the planet. I love labradoodles. Yeah, my dog will fuck the you up. Coolest dogs. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's really cute. I love him. Well, I'm a manly Fresh. man, and they're
3: hypoallergenic.
2: Yes,
1: they are. I have allergies. I'm a man with allergies.
2: Okay, give me a freaking break.
1: I'm a manly man. It make
3: you tougher. It builds character.
1: I've got a pit bull and a Yorkie poo.
3: Yeah, the
2: Yorkie poo. The Yorkie poo is yours. The pit bull is your wife's. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> it,
1: it, 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 and the looks I get from people when I'm walking them both down the street at the same time. <laughs> hey, we break so much we, confusion. We
3: break
2: gender stereotypes on the inside trip. All right.
3: <laughs> I dig it. All right, so.
1: Going back to when you were you were younger, I'm so interested about this stuff because I think women's wrestling mm-hmm. has grown so much over the years. But I have to to think back then it was very difficult to find you know good organized wrestling opportunities for you, like good training situations. What did you have to do to mm-hmm. to do that?
3: Um, I was actually wrestling with the guys full time for the most part. Um, like I said, like my high school team was an all boys team, um, and, and my club teams were all guys teams as well. Uh, my club was at Eastern Michigan. With uh Derek Del Porto, who I'm sure you know, um, oh, yeah. and that that was I think I was the only girl there, and that was my club team, and I was also training at a club called TNT. Dave Reif was the coach there, and there was one old other girl there, but for the most part it was all guys, and I've always been really fortunate that all the guys I've always trained with have been really cool. You know, you hear so many horror stories about girls who have you know had bad experiences or not been accepted, and for the most part I never ran into that. I still had to earn my place in the room and earn the respect of my teammates, sure. but it wasn't because I was a girl. It was because I was a first year wrestler. I was, you know, my first time in that club, like, it was just kind of, you know, um, you know, growing the ropes and all that kind of thing. So I was really fortunate in that regard. And, and I think in the long run, training with guys helped me. Um, there's such a big push right now for getting girls opportunities to train with other girls. And I, I do agree that girls should have to compete against other girls. But I think there's a lot of value and being able to train with guys, you know, the girls that came out of that kind of, you know, like my generation and the years before that, those girls are just gritty. You know, you, when you're wrestling with guys all the time, you have to be a little, little bit tougher and, you know, kind mm-hmm. of grow thick skin. And I think the girls that came out of that generation were just scrappers, you know, because we, we, we've we always had to earn the respect and we never became entitled in the sense that we've always had these opportunities. We still feel like we're fighting for, our, you know, our place in the sport a little bit. Um So I'm actually really thankful that I did have those opportunities to train with guys and that. Uh, I think I'm a little bit tougher because of it. And I think it really helped my wrestling.
1: You know, I think you make a, such a great point right there. And it's kind of funny you say that. So, um, a quick little story here. I was, um, you know, when I started wrestling, I was in Indiana in the eighth grade and my freshman year, it was my second year wrestling. And there was a girl that came out for the wrestling team that year. She was a freshman as well. She was a first year wrestler and she battled a lot of adversity, um, And in fact, it was so funny. I kind of, I kind of feel bad about my, you know, the way I thought back then. But, you know, when our freshman year that year, when we were both kind of on the freshman JV team and there wasn't matches with other guys, we would have to wrestle exhibition matches against each other. And this is back in 1994. So, you know, you can understand where women's wrestling is at now, you know, just think about where it was then. I mean, obviously it was very new back then. Um, but Mm -hmm. But this girl persevered and she stuck it out. And in 1998, she won the, the girls' nationals, and then she went on to beat Christy Morano out for the World Team Spot in 2005 and brought home a bronze medal at the World, Team, at the World Championships.
0: So, Who was it? Uh,
1: her name's Kat, uh, Katie Downing.
3: Oh, yeah. She was an assistant coach at OCU for a while. Yeah. So when I was getting recruited by OCU, she's actually the one that was recruiting me.
1: Yeah, yeah. We were actually high school teammates for two years.
3: Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, Katie's awesome. She's yeah. tough, too.
1: She is very tough now, believe it or not. She's actually um, the assistant coach back at that high school at, on a boys' team.
0: Really? Yeah. Good for her.
1: I thought that was pretty cool. I think so, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It just kind of shows, you know, the growth that's been made. But um,
2: We still got a ways to go, though, in my opinion. I
0: agree.
3: Yeah. It's it's not, you know, like super rapid, awesome, fast progress, but it's slow progress. Um, that's all I can really ask for is that we keep moving forward um, in that regard.
1: So that kind of transitioned into the next question I wanted to ask you is even though women's wrestling has grown, I mean, exponentially over the years, at least from my perspective, you know, I would love to hear your perspective on, on the growth of women's wrestling since you started. And also, you know, what, what needs to be done to continue that growth?
3: Um, uh, kind of like you mentioned, like I come from, yeah, I say we're the older generation. That's not really the case. You talk about the you know, Katie Downings and- the Stephanie Murata's and Patricia Miranda's and that kind of group. Um, and there, there's the kind of like that generation. And there's my generation. that's like the Helen Adeline, um, Allie Reagan, that kind of generation. And there's the current generation. And when I kind of look at it, um, and if you compare us to that older generation, like what we kind of call it, the older girls, like it's night and day difference. You know, we had Fargo, we had the Oklahoma city folks down nationals. We have body bar. Um, but there's endless opportunities to compete and go overseas and all, all that kind of thing. So it, we're definitely moving in the right direction. And now you have more moving in. um am how to describe it. The The progression that's being made currently is this push towards training younger and younger girls. Um, in the past couple of years, they've really started pushing these like cadet development camps and stuff, which are awesome. Uh, if you place top three at Body Bar as a cadet, you make the cadet national team, you have five different development camps throughout the year. You're going overseas twice a year. And these girls are 15 and 16 years old. Um, we've always had cadet Pan Ams. Like, my group had that. Um, but there there's none of these camps and these, you know, going, going to Sweden and going to Austria and all that. And we still had a lot that was, like, offered to us in terms of opportunities to compete domestically. But we didn't have those opportunities internationally. Um, and we just had smaller tournaments. My freshman year was the first year that uh, USA Wrestling hosted a Folkstyle National Tournament. I think they ran it on four mats. It took, like, seven or eight hours. Um, we were out of there. And now you look at that tournament this past, or two weekends ago now, and that tournament was ran between the, all the different age divisions. It took three days to run it. Uh, if you include duels, it took four days. And every day it was a full 12-hour day of wrestling. Like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. we were in there. Um, and I was talking about those camps before, too. These girls are able to go overseas so much now. And they're not just trying to build this group now. They're trying to build our future world teams. Like uh, Terry Steiner always says, you don't want to – world gold medal when you're 20 years old. You start training to win a world gold medal when you're 14, 15, 16. And the way to do that is to build these girls up when they're younger and to give them all these opportunities. And that's what's happening. Um, Every year we have a combined national team camp where we put the cadet junior and senior national teams all in the same room for two weeks. So you have these 14 and 15 year old girls who are training alongside Helen Marulis and Adeline Gray and Elena Pieriskova and not only getting to see how they train, but are getting to drill with them, work with them um, firsthand, and that's just something that's so cool, and it's really helped us so much. We've had a lot of success at the cadet uh, level. We're winning at least one cadet world title every year. We have tons of girls meddling, and just USA Wrestling, as an entire national team at all three levels, is growing so much, and all these opportunities these younger girls are getting are awesome, um, and it's only going to benefit us more moving forward.
2: And, and I think you hit on a point that that I kind of want to bring up then. Do you think that there's actually an innate advantage For women's wrestling because, A, you've got the really young uh, women that are coming up training with the elite level women, which doesn't necessarily happen except for, you know, maybe one or two wrestlers for men. And, B, you're training basically exclusively in freestyle where men are training basically exclusively in the uh, American folk style up until after they graduate. You know, they obviously in the summer times wrestle some freestyle – But, you know, women are training exclusively in freestyle. I mean, do you think that's a benefit to women potentially ending up getting more medals at the world and Olympic stage than men?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, In terms of them getting trained with the senior and junior level girls, it's it's a little bit different. Um, Part of what necessitates those camps is that, like you were kind of talking before, there's not as many opportunities for girls to train with other high-level girls. Um, You know, if you're lucky, you're from California and you have Titan Mercury nearby, or you have, you know, you're close to Clovis and you can go train with Cleo or something like that. There's no hotbeds of women's wrestling anywhere where you can go and get that other high level competition with other women. Um, if you're training with your you know, your guys club, that's great, right. but it, it's, it's necessary for us to have these camps in order for our girls to be getting in there with other tough girls, um, and just getting that mat time. Um, as for training freestyle, it's a huge advantage. Um, you know, like you said, the guys are wrestling folk style until they're, for the most part, 22, 23 years old. They might wrestle freestyle part-time, but we start wrestling freestyle full-time when we turn 18 years old and you go to college. So we're really well-connected. Like the WWA is really well-tied up with the U.S. national team, and they're all, we're all in sync. We're wrestling the USA season at the same time as our college season. The majority of college teams are going to the Bill Farrell. They're going to the Dave Schultz. They're going to the U.S. Open. And so we're getting not only like full-time freestyle training we're getting senior level freestyle mat time as soon as we get into college and um I, which is a huge advantage because once you are in the senior level full-time you've already been there and you've had those experiences um wrestling uh not only domestically but internationally as well at the senior level in wrestling freestyle great
2: point and i and i think that's actually huge what you, it's huge yeah what, what do you think i mean so why why are we still wrestling folk style as american males
3: Dude, I don't even know. Folk style is dumb. <laughs> and that's what I'm <laughs> that's asking, right? An- that's honestly the best answer I can give you. I think a lot of people are stuck in their ways. And freestyle and Rebecca Roman are still kind of seen as like the little brother of wrestling, you know? And it's, I think it's just a poor me- American mentality for the most part. Um, no, I- and I think, I, I don't know what it is but with why people are so stuck in that way. And to me, one of the coolest things, cause, uh, universities was held alongside Girls Folk style Nationals last weekend. And the amount of girls i talked to, like, when I was recruiting and stuff, so many girls were like, dude, I hate folk style. And I was like, yes. Because it, it, it's so cool to me that girls are acknowledging from a young age that freestyle is where they need to be training, and freestyle is where it's at. Um, and the guys aren't like that. There's guys that enjoy freestyle, but no one's like, dude, folk style is so lame. Like, I just, it's so, it's so like you don't hear that. Um, and girls have really embraced that. And I think the guys just kind of need to get on board. And I don't know what it's going to take. Um, You know, Pico figured it out, but he was the only one. And surprise, he well, Henry Cejudo, too, right? He Olympic trials at, yeah, Henry Cejudo went to the Olympic training center at 16 years old. Um, it's no surprise that our guys who are embracing freestyle at a young age full time are the ones who are going on to do well at the senior level. Um, so I I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, it's it's not going to, if it ever does happen, it's not like an overnight thing. You know, they're not going to decide next year. Oh well, starting tomorrow, all of the high school is going to go to freestyle wrestling. There'd be so much uproar and so much pushback that it's just not a realistic thing anytime soon, unfortunately. But it's just it's a it's a mentality I think, and it sucks, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're absolutely right. One of the things you said is it's it's a it's a way of thinking, and you know, over the years, one of the things that I've noticed about just you know America in general when it comes to sports is we're a very we're very, very focused on traditions and legacy and stuff like that. And it's very hard for yeah. people to make changes you, you, and I'll equate it to sports like baseball. You know, people are so apprehensive to, to make changes in baseball and basketball because that's not the tradition. Mm-hmm. And here in America, the tradition has been folk style for so many years. And, and yes, I get it. It's, you know, we have this magnificent, um, you know, D one, D two, D three national tournaments and stuff that take place. But after that, when our guys go hit the senior circuit, they struggle. We're behind the eight ball for the most part.
0: Mm. And,
3: and there was this argument that I kind of heard around the Olympics about, oh, Kyle Snyder and Jaden Cox were wrestling folks down and it turned out great for them. And to me, that yeah, that's true, but it's an exception. It's not yeah. the rule. These are Imagine what – and Kyle Snyder, again, he moved out to the Olympic Training Center for yep. his senior year of high right. school. Absolutely. He embraced freestyle at a young age. And as for Jaden Cox, okay, yeah, he won a bronze medal. Imagine what he would have done if he was training freestyle full-time. Right. Would, would he have beaten Sadulaev? I don't know. that's, I think but that's my answer. I think is a, a gift to wrestling. But imagine what he could have done, you know, if he, if he had been wrestling freestyle. But you go back, Jaden Cox is wrestling in Fargo every year. You know, it's not like he hasn't wrestled freestyle before. He bought into freestyle at a young age and was wrestling it every year. And you can say that, you know, he's not a freestyle wrestler, but he had wrestled freestyle in high school. Um and, and you know, I, I just think it's the way to go. But
1: yeah, and I mean, you, you said it; they're the exceptions. I mean, look, Kyle Snyder yeah. is is a once in a lifetime wrestler for us. I mean, we're witnessing greatness. Um, Jaden Cox mm-hmm. is is a once in a lifetime athlete and wrestler. I mean, he's able to go out and win three national titles at the college level, and then go out and take a bronze because he's just that good. Imagine what he would right. do with with that specific, you know, specialized training. Well,
2: that's exactly right, Brandon. It's it's not that. These, you know, all right, we're having great success with people going from, like Logan Steber as well, going from collegiate mm-hmm. style to freestyle and then having great success. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, what we're doing is working. It's how much better could we actually be if these guys were training freestyle the entire time, you know?
3: Right. And 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 can you, you talk about Logan Sieber. Logan Sieber was wrestling on the senior level and wrestling in the U.S. Open when he was in high school. He was ranked top ten on the ladder, five kilos, and he was like seventeen years
0: old. Correct. So a-
3: again, like you see these guys who are buying in from a young age. Um, but but again, like, like that whole Sieber thing is like he's. Uh, oh, now this is kind of like a tangent again. But we always talk about people like having the bad draw. Like you go to the World Championships and draws come out, and we're like, "Oh, dude, that draw is so tough." And, and to me, it's like, are we training? to get a good draw and hope we can sneak into a bronze medal match or are we trained to win gold medals? I was you always trained to I, I, like, go she, get a
2: bad draw. <laughs> I was always trained yeah,
3: for right, yeah. Draw. Like draw. Like, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but like, like when the Olympic qualifying was going on and uh, you know they had to make finals and people were saying, oh man, they have a bad draw. It's like, are we hoping for a bad draw to qualify our weight or are we expecting to qualify the weight and expecting to win a gold medal? And you talk about Logan Sieber, it's like, yeah, he won non-Olympic weight worlds, but, if he was training freestyle full time, like no one would have been talking about like people like, Oh, like I hope they get a good draw. It should be, they've been training for this from the time that they were five years old. They've always just went freestyle. And now the expectation is to win. Yeah, um, I- so again, I just think it's like, it, it, how much better could we be if we were competing in freestyle full time? And unfortunately there's no way to know the answer to that, but I think the result we would been having a lot better results for sure.
1: I agree with you. And you know, I know Ben does as well. <laughs> One thing I want to ask you, Julia, and please, I want you to give me as honest of an answer as you can because this is kind of an important question in the eyes of us. Um, regardless of yeah. the growth, the rapid growth of women's wrestling, do you feel do you feel that women wrestlers are viewed equally to men in the eyes of those in the wrestling community? And by that, I mean the media, the coaches, other national team members, you know, the fans, except you know, things like that.
3: Mm. Um. Short answer: No. Definitely not. Um, we definitely get shafted a lot in terms of our coverage. And I don't actually I don't want to say I don't want to fault media, but where the interest is is, is in men's. I can't talk sometimes. Okay. The interest is in men's wrestling. Um but you'll get slow, like of let's say they have twenty thousand foot programs, I don't know, it's not a of number. Sure. 19,500 of those are probably people who only care about men's wrestling. Right. And at the end of the day, they're a business. You know, they're trying to appeal to their fans, and that, that's where their money is, in men's wrestling. But part of the reason we don't have as much of a fan base is because we don't have media coverage. So it's kind of like a chicken and egg situation. Someone has to give us coverage for us to get fans to make media companies go back and make it worth their while to cover women's wrestling. But it's definitely getting better. I mean, me being on this podcast is step in the right direction, you know, having women's wrestling put out there. Um, and, and there 's people trying to make things like that happen, you know richard Immel, uh Jason bryan, all these people are, are trying to grow women 's wrestling um and i don 't know what we have to do to get people to fully buy into what we 're trying to do as a sport um but I do think pe- we do need coverage to get exposure, but i like i said i don 't know if it 's more coverage and that 's how we get exposure or we get exposure by getting more coverage um but it definitely needs to happen and I think it 's need to get people to buy in um If you go to Fargo every year and you watch the women's tournament, like the stands are just as crowded to watch the women as they are to watch the men. So it shows that people are interested to watch women's wrestling in Rio of the three styles, the highest attended session was the women's tournament. Um, so so people are interested. Even if it's out of curiosity to say women's wrestling, what's that about? We can get people to buy in. Um, but we definitely do get shafted in our media coverage and it's a shame, you know? Um,
0: no, you, but
1: you're a hundred percent right. And we're I'll getting tell,
0: there. Yeah.
1: You know, I'll tell you, you know, it, admittedly, you know, look, Ben and I, we're just, again, we're average Joe's doing this because we love the sport. But one of the reasons we said we wanted to do this was to kind of do our part to help grow wrestling. And it's funny, we kind of fell into that trap in the beginning that, you know, to us, it was D1 men's college wrestling. And then, Mm -hmm. and then some men's freestyle. And as we continue to do this, we realized, Hey, you know, anybody can say they want to help grow wrestling, but what does that really mean? There's so much other wrestling out there. And I'm going to say, you know, not just D1, you've got D2, you've got D3, you've got Greco Roman, you've got women's, you know, wrestling going on out there. So it, to, to Ben and I, it felt like we were being hypocritical by saying, we want to help grow wrestling, but when all we're doing is talking about men's D1 college wrestling all the time, what is that really right. doing to help grow wrestling? Um, obviously, right. hence us reaching out to you, and, and I, you know we're very grateful that you're on today. Um, you, you, you know, you, met, you mentioned the media bias. Um, wh- one of the great things, I know this really ticks Ben off, it upset me as well, but, you know, we had our uh, Helen Marulis uh, win the first uh, U.S. women's yeah. gold medal in the Olympics, and she got pretty much zero media coverage while it was happening.
3: Nothing. Nothing.
1: Talk to me about that. What are your feelings?
3: Uh, um. Well, to be entirely honest, I didn't know it had happened because I was there. I was sitting in the stands watching her win. So i saw everything happen so to me i had the best coverage in the world i was sitting in the second row um but i didn't know until after cause I, I was like texting my mom updates and she's going, I, she i said oh hell in on one hell on one she was oh that's awesome like hopefully they'll replay it and then she got like a 10 second spot where they showed her getting her hand raised on nbc and like that was it it was dumb. and that was mind-blowing to me because you know, even women's okay you don't want to cover women's wrestling fine whatever but Helen pulled off arguably the biggest upset of the Olympics, not just in wrestling, oh, no but doubt. in the entire Olympics. Correct. You know what I mean? And like, if nothing else, like market that, like you know, plug that. You know, an American just pulled off the biggest upset of the Olympics. People eat that shit up all day. yeah well, you and think they would? But then fucking it, nothing,
2: Ryan Lochte gets the fu- the fucking you know yeah just dead.
3: yeah, and, and I don't know, it, it, it's bullshit to me. And th- that's what killed me. It's like you know, had it been not that would have been an okay, but like. Had we won any other any other girl on the team won a gold medal like, and that's what that's all Helen got and she had the biggest success of the Olympics. Imagine if one of our other girls won. What, what would they have gotten? Like maybe like a tweet from like NBC Universal Sports like, right. know, congrats to you. You know what I mean? And it, it, it's just so wild to me that we, we're not like you said. It, it, wrestling aside, even our biggest Olympic moments aren't getting coverage. And I, I don't know. It, it blows my mind. Obviously, I have a massive wrestling bias, but. I I don't get it. And and I don't know, that's how it is. Like I remember you talking about that Grand Prix of Paris tournament. Um, I won't name names, but there was somebody there who writes for a wrestling publication. He he came there and he also um he, he did an entire write up on the men's tournament and didn't do a single thing about the women. So it's not like he was just like watching brackets from back in the States and like didn't like know what was happening. He literally watched the women's tournament and didn't write a write up about the women, just the men. And I'm like what did you like, uh, why like what what like what do you have against us and it that was my point I ended up calling him out on it um but what, it, well, no, that, that's, that's the kind of thing is
1: and that's a problem because getting, it's the same people like that that are saying we need to grow wrestling um you know if yeah. that's if you're going to pull those types of stunts and do those types of things you might as well say hashtag grow men's wrestling you know let's not grow men's wrestling grow not, d1 wrestling
0: because yeah,
3: it, it's not it's not just us. like greco gets shafted too to be entirely honest five point move is awesome because they're, they're do- making an effort to grow wrestling they are growing all levels of wrestling yeah, we because them. they're they're giving exposure to greco you know so it's not just like oh i'm complaining about the women like D- division three wrestling gets shafted during d1 season division two wrestling gets shafted during d1 season so like you said like are you growing wrestling or you're growing division one men's folk style wrestling and men's freestyle wrestling and Jordan Burroughs? you know what i mean like right. And that's not taking anything away from them. You know, they earn every article they get, you know, I'm not saying we deserve attention in place of them. Like we all deserve to get the coverage as a sport. Um And, and it's, it's not there yet. You know, we're not, there's not a lot of legality in that regard, but it, it's getting better, but it, it's such a slow progression and it's, it's frustrating for sure.
1: Look, and, and I, I, I agree with everything you've said there and you know I'm not naive it's very difficult for you know you have all different types of people that follow and try to do something to cover wrestling so you're not you can't mm-hmm. expect every one of those groups or organizations to be able to cover all all different levels of wrestling but if you're a mm-hmm. ma- if you are a major wrestling media outlet then it is your responsibility to cover all of those is my opinion
3: yeah yeah, for sure.
2: I mean, yeah, no.
1: With our podcast, I mean,
2: like like Brandon said earlier, look, we do focus a lot on Division One college wrestling because that's the majority of wrestling that we watch. Okay, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. and I'm
3: a nerd, you know what I mean? Like, if you look at my yeah. Twitter, ninety percent of my Twitter feed is Division One wrestling. I'm I'm right? guilty of it too. Yeah,
2: and I mean, and it's yeah. it's because in in college, it's the pinnacle of wrestling, and if we're if we're speaking mm-hmm. just just college, so you know, we enjoy covering that. But I do think you know, even us, you know, we, we owe for it sure. to you know, to our mission to get, you know, more than just Division One men's
1: wrestling out there. So, so speak, mm-hmm. speaking of missions, let me ask you this. Are you involved with any organizations out there that are helping with growing women's wrestling?
3: Um, I kind of do what I can. Um, every year the NWCA hosts a women leadership academy uh, down in Florida as part of like they host an entire um, like convention for college coaches um, and part of that, the first two days before the convention, they host a Women's Leadership Academy that I've been to a couple of times. It's a great event um, that really focuses on how to grow women's wrestling, specifically how to grow collegiate women's wrestling. Um, so I've done that. Um, Sally Roberts is doing some stuff with Wrestling Like a Girl. Um, we've been trying to work out something like doing like a podcast for that and having like a different women's wrestling topic every week. So that's something that's kind of been in the works. Um, and, and other than that, you know, I'm not super involved. I'm super busy. Um, and, and that's my fault too. You know, I always say grow women's wrestling every day. I kind of ask myself, like, what am I doing? You know, what, what am I doing to help grow the sport? And they like kind of saying before me being on this podcast helps me talking with Jason Bryant helps. Um, and, and obviously I'm the biggest point of women's wrestling in the world. I'll tell anybody who wants to talk about it for hours, even people who have nothing to do with wrestling. Um, but there, I'm definitely trying to do more. Um, I, I do coach out in Fargo every year. I'm a coach for the New York, uh, national team out there. Uh, so I'm involved as much as I can, but you know, I'm guilty I'm due of not doing enough, you know, I'm doing more than others, but I could be doing more. Um, and like uh, you said, that's kind of my responsibility too.
1: Yeah. I think we all could, um, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. wrestle like a girl. I'm, I'm really gra- glad you brought that up. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's so funny. You said that about the podcast. Cause recently I, I think her name is Catherine. Is it shy? Shay?
3: Yeah, yeah. Formerly Catherine Pope but Catherine Shy, yeah. Yeah,
1: okay. Um, you know, she's recently been talking to Ben and I about uh, doing some collaboration for Wrestle Like a Girl um, mm-hmm. with, with our podcast, and we're super excited about doing this. So, um, yeah. We haven't had a chance to really sit down and talk to her about what all the details are, but. I hope mm-hmm. at minimum it's doing a podcast, you know, a routine podcast focusing on specific women in, in wrestling or specific initiatives going for, you know, growing women's wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. can you expand a little bit on what that organization does?
3: Yeah. Um, so wrestling a girl was founded by Sally Roberts, who is awesome. Like I, I have not only is Sally, my friend, I have like the highest opinion of her that you could possibly have. She's just awesome. Um, and, and Sally, i know, sorry. Catherine is kind of, I don't know what her official like, title is, but she's um, involved in like organizing um, and all that kind of thing. Uh, Sally founded it to basically expand exposure for women's wrestling and also provide younger girls with opportunities. Um, they've been hosting a lot of camps and clinics across the country uh, to provide girls with training opportunities, that kind of thing. Um, at, at recent tournaments, they were at the Fan Festival at NCAs, They were in Oklahoma City last weekend. They were selling T-shirts and that kind of thing. And all that money is going back to hosting clinicians and stuff at these camps um, at low cost or free of charge, um, ideally. Uh, there's a gala every year. Last year, um, we had it right before Rio. This year, um, actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, it, but they're going to have two really big speakers this year, or one of two. Um, and that, that you know, tickets to that, all proceeds go to um, back, go back to wrestling a girl. And it's really just about getting exposure out for women's wrestling and providing girls more opportunities to train and be around other girl wrestlers. Um, Sally's whole premise is that being a woman's wrestler is okay and that it makes you a stronger it's empowering um and that there are so many opportunities if you can just buy into this sport um terry steiner always says that wrestling is such a great sport and everyone agrees with that but then women want to wrestle some people are kind of like oh i don't know maybe not and why are we limiting this awesome sport to 50 percent of our population why are we not offering this to everybody and that's kind of what sally is trying to get across is that there are so many opportunities not just for boys but there are it's for girls too and this sport can do so much for you if you just buy in um so that's kind of what she's been doing and it kind of started off as a small thing and in the past year she's just worked her ass off and it's growing so much and uh it's really cool what she's been able to do and i'm excited to see what happens with it going forward
1: no, that's awesome. That's great to hear you to hear you say those things because we haven't had a chance mm-hmm. to really sit down and talk with um with Catherine. We've been trying to set up a time, mm-hmm. but um, this is something that we really hope we have the opportunity to do because I, I I don't know. It just seems like there's so many different avenues to grow wrestling, and I think right now, you know, Ben and I were both really trying to do whatever we can to 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 bring more light to women's wrestling.
2: Yeah, I think that one of the major Initiatives to help grow women's wrestling is, and you can completely correct me if I'm wrong, is to get it as its own sport at the high school level instead of having women. It's only option either a trying to find a club where you know it may or may not happen, or b wrestling on the boys team. I think you know you do what a couple of states have done and have women's wrestling completely in the high school level. I, I think that's something that not only makes sense, but I can't believe it's not in more states.
3: Right, absolutely, and, and you'll get like California, and obviously California has a massive population, so obviously they're going to have numbers. But since they've sanctioned women's wrestling, the sport has taken off there. You know, you'll get like their regional tournaments and stuff, and they have like full sixty-four man brackets just in their region. Some states could have a state tournament, and their entire tournament without any qualification would only have fourteen kids in it. Um,
0: yep.
3: But and all they really did to change that was sanction it. It was that easy. Um, you look at Washington. Since Washington has sanctioned women's wrestling their performance in Fargo as a team has gone. It's incredible. You know, they won a junior duels title and beat California. They're having multiple girls winning Fargo titles. And again, the only change they made was sanctioning women's wrestling. Um, And like, like you said, it's just, it's crazy that States don't want to do it. Um, Some people kind of want to see women's wrestling be introduced and make it freestyle, which again is like, I think just pushing the envelope a little bit too far. And there'd be a lot of resistance because you have to train new officials. You would have to have new coaches, all that kind of thing. But just give girls their own tournament, you know, if nothing else sanction a woman's state tournament at the end of the year. Um, and it'll grow interest. It'll make, it'll, it'll alleviate a lot of the problems that the sport currently has. And a lot of the pushback from the men wrestlers in the high school level. Um, but, but uh, like I said, I think it's good for growing the sport and I think it's good for solving problems. Um, and some states are just so resistant to doing that, which I don't get, but it's growing, you know, every couple of years, we're going a couple more states sanctioning it. And, uh, it's only a matter of time, I think in that regard, but it's i don't know i don't get what I don't get the resistance to it do you think
2: that maybe one of the answers to saving men's programs in college is to continue to add more women's programs
3: yeah, absolutely um I mean the big one is title nine you know it's it's saving and you see a lot of programs that are um bringing back wrestling, they're adding a woman's team with it um I think Great Falls in Montana just added a men's and a women's team. Um, oh There's another one, too, that just got added. But you, you see the new trend is when – more so with the smaller schools. At, in Division Two and Division Three and NAIA, when schools are adding men's teams now, they're also adding a women's team. So not only is it is it going to save it in the long run, it's also creating more opportunities that weren't there before for men's wrestling. Um, you know, women's wrestling basically saved wrestling in the Olympics. You no, know, right. you, know, you know, those men's wrestling peers don't want to hear it, but ultimately, women's wrestling saved wrestling in the Olympic games. Um, and I think it's going to be that same thing uh, at the college level as well.
1: I mean, I completely agree with you on that. Can you expand on your like, uh, expand a little more for the listeners of why why you say that?
3: So basically, the IOC when they decided to drop wrestling was that part of their argument was that it wasn't completely inclusive. Um, the men each had seven weight classes for freestyle greco woman and the women only had four. Um, and so, part of when wrestling was making this push to bring wrestling, or when like uh, you, it was feel at the time, when feel was making this uh, their case to the IOC, they were trying to say well, we're going to include the women more, and that's what ultimately led to that decision to go six, six, and six for the weight classes. Um, and they promised that's that right. there was going to be more of a push for women's wrestling, you know, and that's kind of about the IOC made the IOC buy in um, for those votes is that they were saying we're going to include the women more because the IOC is all about equality um, in men's and women's. And there was an issue with medal count and stuff because wrestling awards um, two bronzes. like They're essentially at, uh, awarding four medals per weight and they want to see more medals given to the women. So the IOC wanted to see equality and that's what Field provided when they gave them their case. They said we're going to make give the women the same opportunities as the men and uh, ultimately that's what made the IOC decision Made helped them make their decision to vote wrestling back in um, when they had that vote.
1: That's such a great way. I mean, that's such a great take mm-hmm. on that.
2: I didn't know. I didn't realize that, Julia. Thank you for for telling me that. I really had no clue.
1: That's what I'm here for, man.
2: So hey, you to man. You you the woman. You I woman. try. You to woman. So I try.
1: Going back to Ben's question about you know women's wrestling being the key to saving men's wrestling, do you think we will ever start to see women's D1 programs?
0: Um,
3: yeah. And that's the kind of thing that's only a matter of time. Um, my unpopular opinions is that I don't think we're ready yet. And I don't think we're going to be ready for another probably four or five years.
0: Fair statement. Um,
3: yeah, I, I think there'd be a lot of growing pains with doing it too soon. And the, I think we would be rushing a little bit if we jumped in and had to do one program just for, like I, I think a lot of people who want it to be D1 right now want it to be D1 just for the sake of saying women's wrestling is now division one. They're not thinking about the process that goes into that and all the logistics and dynamics, of how that would work. Um, To me, it's not worth it yet to rush it just for the sake of saying we're division one sport. Women's wrestling is finally so great. Uh," Like, and we're going to get to that point, but right now we're doing okay as we are, you know, we're not growing too fast yet. I think adding D1 programs would, it could be great, but it's going to cause a lot of logistical problems if we did it right now. Once we have NCA sanctioning, because right, you know we have a bunch of NAIA schools, yeah. we have D two, D three, but we don't even have our NCA sanctioning yet. Well, I think we're we're just getting to emerging sports status, but I think we need to be an NCAA sport first with our current programs that we have, and then once that's established, then we can move towards Division one. How many? And girls I, I do teams think it's there? in, there's thirty two right in the WCWA, There's thirty two. Okay,
2: I thought. Yeah, I thought I knew it was around thirty. Okay.
3: Yeah, and I think about maybe like 17 or 18 of them are di- are division 2 or division 3 schools. The rest are NAIA. Um and, and we are an NAIA emerging sport right now. I
0: don't
3: know, it hasn't been sanctioned yet, but it is an NAIA emerging sport. I got you. So, yeah. I think once we have the NCAA status, then we can start pushing for division 1 and it will happen. Um like I said it's only a matter of time, but I, I don't think I don't think we should rush it. I don't think we need to rush that. Um, but like I said, I do think in four or five years, we'll be ready for that. Um, and it'll happen.
1: Yeah, I think you're, you know, I agree with you. I think rushing it, I think w- once you hit division one, there's a certain level of expectation that must be upheld or there's going to be expectations right. that have to be met. And one of those expectations, um, is going to be the, the level of the quality of competition and the quality of the teams. And I'm not just talking about, you know, one or two really good studs on the team. And then, you know, you've got a bunch of you know rather new wrestlers which i think women's wrestling has gotten gone very far where now we're kind of getting into that stage to where teams are able to almost able to field full teams of solid competitors but i agree with you i think by waiting even you know even you know four or five six more years we'll continue that growth and get more of those what would you call them legacy generational wrestlers in there you know where teams could field, field right. yeah. very good teams across the board
3: yeah, and, and, you know, I guess there's like, a lot of things that go into it, you know, like, like coaching, for example. Like right now, the WWA isn't pulling in super high-level coaches, you know. You'll see, like, like all this coaching that's been going on today with, like, Brett Metcalf going places and Kevin Dresser and Mike Zadik. Like, we're not pulling in those level of coaches, you know. And at the Division one level, like you said, there's a standard. You know, how are we going to convince these coaches, like these super high-level coaches, to come coach women's dressing at the Division one level? The money's not there, first of all, and it's not right. going to be for a while. And two, why would they take a women's wrestling job when they can go coach at a powerhouse Division One school? So we need to, again. Like we need to get people bought into women's wrestling a little bit more before we go D one. Um, and like you said, just make sure that we have the the, the rosters to support it. Um, like you mentioned, we're just now getting to the point where we have parity in the W C U A for the first time. We don't have one or two teams just crushing everybody. You know, the, the national tournament this year it wasn't a lock. You know, we won it, but it wasn't a luck and that that's just now starting to be a thing. Um, and I think going D one again, and I like I have an opinion too, on people adding programs too fast and not being able to fill rosters, but yeah. the build the programs we have right now and make them strong and then add D one schools, um, and make them prominent, but just, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it's a process, you know, it and is. there's a lot of factors and a lot of variables. Um, and, and we'll get to that point, but it, it's just, it, it's too soon right now.
1: So you mentioned big name coaches going places. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure this is the truth, but um, Terry Steiner was actually the heads of the U S women's team at one point in time. Correct. Oh, he still is. Okay. So how big of an impact has he played in this?
3: Um, it's huge. Uh, you know, you have a guy that wrestled for Dan Gable leading up the women's program. You know, he was an NCAA champ for Iowa in 1994, you know, he's, He's been, He's done it. He's been a senior-level guy. He's been there. Um, and he's, Terry just knows everybody. You know, we were able to go out. Uh, last year, the entire national team went and trained to Iowa for a week in January. Nice. And Tom and Terry were cool with us bringing out there and stuff. And that was such a cool experience. And no other coach would be able to pull that off, like bringing the entire women's national team to go train to Iowa for a week. Um, and internationally, Terry's so well-respected. He has a really good um, relationship with a lot of international coaches and UWW. And uh, he's just been really good for our program as a
1: whole. Awesome. So let's go ahead and get back. I want to get back to you for a little bit with your competing. Um, You just won University Nationals. You were up at 75 kilograms, which my understanding is not your normal weight. Typically, you compete at 69, right? Yeah. Typically at 69. Um, Yeah. You actually won over Victoria Francis. You guys have wrestled each other Mm -hmm. a ton, haven't you?
3: Yeah, that was the fourth time we've wrestled that's
1: that's kind of funny um before we get into that let me let me ask you this I don't know if you've made up your mind yet if you have I would love for you to tell us on on this podcast but you've got a big tournament coming up next month you've got the rule team trials what are you thinking about going you think it's 75 or 69
3: uh I'm like 90 percent sure it's gonna be 75 um it's not set in stone yet but uh I actually got a phone call from Adeline Gray last week And uh, I was sitting in Blackburn. She's like, what are you doing right now? I'm like, uh, eating a brownie. She's like, you need to cut out sugar right (laughs) now. I'm like, why? She's like, you have world team trials coming up. I'm like, okay. She's like, you need to fill the spot at 75. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, And anyone that knows me me and Adeline's friendship, it's a very strange one. Um, I've been her uh, training partner for the last three world championships and the Olympics. And uh, we definitely have a very honest relationship with each other. And uh, so... You were like, I don't want to just call you and told you to stop eating brownies. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, are you going to do it? I'm like, God, yes. She told me I to up eating brownies. Of course I'm going to stop eating brownies. Um, so it, just kind of talking to her, she kind of got me in the right mindset. Um, she thinks I should go 75, you know, and as, as the reigning, you know, she, she's been our girl there for the entire last four or five years. Um, so the fact that she has faith in me, you know, I, th- I think that's where I need to be. Um, I'm still small there, but I, I think that, that's going to be the right weight class for me. So, like I said, I'm like 90% sure I'm going to end up there, but I'm going to have another uh, conversation with our head coach tomorrow. Um, just kind of set a plan to make sure that's the right thing to do and make sure that I'm ready to go at that weight class. So I mean, expect you, to see me at 75 unless something crazy happens. Can you
2: get up? Can you, I mean, can you get even close to 75 kilos?
3: Uh, No. <laughs> I weighed 70.5 today.
2: And, and and I guess that's the thing. I mean, so, that's, a, that's a lot of weight you're giving up.
3: But, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I've wrestled there before. You know, my uh, University World Bronze medal actually came at 75, and I've actually wrestled – the weight class used to be 72. I've wrestled that weight at universities uh, four out of five years, and the two years that I didn't wrestle – well, this is kind of a weird situation. So one year I actually had a wrestle-off for the Pan Am team the day before University Nationals. Oh Nationals. Wow. So I weighed in at 67 for that wrestle-off, won the wrestle off and then went up to 72 the next day at universities for it was a dumb reason I wanted to get a loss back so I wanted to go up to wrestle this girl and she cut down from like 76 to make it and I weighed in at 67 the day before so it was dumb and moronic but that was one of my losses at universities and then the year I wrestled 69 at universities I lost every year I've wrestled 72 or 75 I've won it and I've gone on to place at university worlds so I actually have success wrestling up there even though I'm super small um so it's worked out for me
1: Good. I mean, I say, if it's working for you, why change it up? Yeah.
3: All right, yeah. S-
1: so you've wrestled Victoria Francis numerous times. Um, mm. Let me. I just got to know who is your. Would you say? Would you say she's your biggest rival, or if not, who is?
3: Um. Honestly, no. Um. I've only lost to her once in those four times, and it was kind of. I mean, in my opinion, it was kind of a fluky loss. I was a little bit banged up. I wasn't really. In a great mindset going to that tournament. Um my the the best rivalry I ever had in my career was with Brittany Roberts. Um we wrestled 10 times in about a nine-month span and went five and five in those ten matches. And that like my freshman sophomore year college, we would just go at it. And I don't want to say we hated each other because we didn't know each other, we just knew we wrestled a lot and we would have these intense matches. Like, we'd step on the line, and before the whistle even blew, we were, like, grinding our foreheads against each other, like, trying to get a piece of the other one. Um, and, like, both of our teams, you know, because she wrestled for OCU and I wrestled for King. It was a huge rivalry, as it was with our two teams. We were always the 2nd to weight class, so it would always, like, come down to our match in a lot of cases. And, like, it was just super intense, you know, and it, it was fun. It was good for both of us. And look what both of us wanted to do. You know, Brittany won a silver medal at World, at, uh, World University Games. She was a runner-up at World Team Trials a bunch of times. Um... I've had a lot of success. So in the long run, it was one of the best things for both of us. Um, and then I actually ended up meeting. We were on a Pan Am team together, I think, my sophomore, junior year of college. We met each other. I'm like, oh, you're really cool. She's like, oh, you're really cool, too. And we've been friends ever since. Um, but, but it was such a heated rivalry. But it was super fun. Um, and other than that, I kind of have a rivalry with Tamira Mensah. Um, she's kind of our number one girl right now. But I've actually gotten the best of her most of our matches. Um, I've won three out of the last four. And I won our last head-to-head matchup back in June. Um, but that's also a kind of fun one too. Me and Tamir are really good friends and it's just kind of one of those fun rivalries. Um, and especially it's kind of fun for me because she's kind of seen as the number one girl, but I've gotten the best of her most of the times we've wrestled. So that's always a good win for me. So what's it
2: like, I guess is one of your, you know, your number one rivalries in Menza, also being good friends. I mean, is there an ability to kind of leave it all on the mat?
3: Yeah. Um, I've actually never had an issue with it. Um, one of my other really good friends, Brittany David, we've wrestled like eight or nine times, and I've beaten her. Like I've only lost to her twice in those. And you know, I almost kind of—I don't want to say I play with people a little bit, but like I know I can put those things aside just because I'm not like a super like I'm not a personal wrestler. I never take matches personally. I don't take practice personally. Um, so at least for me, it's not weird. But I've never really asked anyone either with Brittany or with Tamir or any of them. Um, so maybe they think it's it's weird, but <laughs> maybe they hate you know. You. I'll, 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 like, mess around with them before matches and stuff, like, because, like, I don't know, like, I'm not trying, like, I'm not purposely trying to play my games, but maybe it's because I don't want it to be awkward, like, I'll like, mess around, like, oh, I'll see you in the next round, bud, like, kind of yeah. give him, like, a shoulder punch and stuff, um, but as soon as the whistle blows, you know, it's wrestling, and that's how I view it, and I'm sure. pretty sure that's how they view it as well.
2: So, what's your training schedule looking like here for the next, you know, you know, obviously until you wrestle again?
3: <laughs> um, just kind of getting healthy right now. Um, I've been really banged up throughout the year and and honestly for the last two years. So my priority right now is making sure that I'm at 100% when I get to World Team Trials. You were talking about Catherine Shire earlier. One of the smartest things i ever heard her say was that at this level, it's not always about who's the best wrestler, it's about who's the healthiest wrestler on that given day. Um, And that's how I feel right now. You know, you look at the top girls at 75 right now, it's me, Victoria Francis, and Aaron Quadro. And all of us are really banged up right now. So to me, it's going to come down to which of us is the healthiest, on um, April twenty ninth. So you wrestled um, Colajo,
2: I think in sixteen, right? I wrestled
3: on the finals of the U.S. Open this year in December. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I actually well, I was so obviously I was googling to try to find stuff out about you to kind of for this podcast, not mm-hmm. not in like a creepy way. And that match, that <laughs> match, <laughs> like seriously, not in a creepy way. I promise. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, I know. Okay. Well, I told you. You said it's hard to find <laughs> stuff on. Uh, women's wrestling so I was like google stalking mm. you like crazy to try to find things right um, uh, I know it's, it's so yeah but anyway so I watched that match actually and it looked like you mm. were getting to your shots low singles to both sides but just for having some trouble finishing what's going on
3: um that's actually something I've always struggled against Erin with um even in practice is that she's really solid from that kind of cracked acquisition um she's really good with like crotch throws crotch and stuff so you have to finish quick on her and if you watch that match, that first single, that's what I did. I hit yep. it real quick. Boom, was back on my feet. We got in a little bit of a scramble. Ended up finishing off a front headlock. Um, and, and that's kind of how I expected to win that match. And after that, you know, I got another little single. She got a crotch throw and stuff. And and, and to be entirely honest, I just gasped. Um, you, I look, you looked like you were tired. But didn't, I, weren't,
2: didn't, weren't you just wrestling in Russia like a week before that, though?
3: No, she she had been in Russia before that. Oh, that was um, Shit, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, same thing. Um, <laughs> I'm a terrible but, uh, person. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just gasped. Um I'd gotten hurt again about a month before that tournament. I just got on the mat about like eight or nine days prior to that tournament. So it, my main priority there was just making sure that I qualified. Um and then of course like four days before the tournament I got sick. Um I had like a little like flu bug and stuff. So and I got cold on top of that. So I, I just like couldn't breathe. And again like, I'm not making excuses, like it was what it was. Like you have to be in shape no matter what. Sure. Um and so, like, yeah, I, I had that first awesome scramble, and that's the pace of the match I wanted, and I just couldn't keep that pace up the rest of the match. Um, so I think that's gonna be a little bit of a different match in April. Um, I'm in really good shape right now; my conditioning's good. Um, so you know, like I said, if, if I'm the healthiest girl that day, I think I'm the better wrestler. So that's kind of what I'm anticipating is to wrestle that match that I want, quick finishes, that kind of thing. I, I think I'll be good.
2: I mean, that, that was exactly what I was thinking. It looked like you got in on a couple mm-hmm. of those singles and backed out because you were concerned about yeah. getting crotch lift or something. Because you got, it wasn't a problem with mm-hmm. you getting in. It was just – it looked like you kind of backed Finishing. out of – Yeah, it looked like you kind of backed out of a couple shots because you didn't feel comfortable with your mm-hmm. finishes.
3: And, and there were some visions too. Like I was in like that seatbelt position for like 15 or 20 seconds. And like I remember like it didn't feel that long at the time, but I remember watching the, the match after, I'm like, why didn't I do anything there? Like I, my, that left arm was so deep and I'm like, why? And I guess I was just tired. I was like, eh, whatever, we'll figure it out later. Like I, I was down by three for the majority of that match and didn't do a whole lot. Like you said, like I would get in on shots and just kind of like back away or n- not finish how I wanted to. Um, but, and, and part of that was a technical thing, but I, I fixed those those couple spots and uh, it'll it'll be a good match. You know, it's not going to be a cakewalk match by any means. It ends a hell of a wrestler, um, but, but I feel good about it.
2: So I've got some great low single finishes, so what I'm going to do is after we're done here, Brandon and I, what we'll do is we'll record me hitting low singles on them in the podcast room, and I'll show you the finishes, and I'll, I'll send them to you, and we'll do them from a couple so, different angles, and I'll show you kind of how I finish my low single, and, and I want you to ensure that you watch that and work on that with your coach, okay?
3: Oh, for sure, absolutely. And then when I win World Team Trials, I'm winning my interview. When Gary shoves the camera face, and I'm like I just want to give a shout out to Ben for the inside trip. Yep, and then um, he showed me how to finish a low single, and that, that was the difference in this match. And then our I, theme I, song you will know, start. Playing. Big thanks to him.
2: Then our theme song will start playing, baby.
3: <laughs> Don't wind up on your back, bro. <laughs> That's oh,
2: <right>. thank
1: you.
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry to interrupt you there, but I wanted to get that in.
1: <laughs> That's funny. All right, so Here. let's get back to um. You had the, the wonderful experience of going to Rio this year and serving as a training partner. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that experience um, and more so, like how do you think that experience there is going to impact you going forward with your training and your competing?
0: Um,
3: it was an unreal experience. Uh, like I mentioned before, I, I had been to World Championships before, but you know the Olympics is a whole different animal. Um, not even just from a wrestling perspective, but to be in that kind of environment was indescribable. Uh, You know, who says who said they went to the Olympics as a training partner? You know, I I wish I had made the team, but I got so much out of being there. You know, I went through every single process all the Olympians did. I was in practice every day. Um, I was training alongside them. I was seeing, you know, their weight cut process. And, you know, assuming I make the team in 2020 – I'm going to go into that tournament having been there before. You know, nothing's going to be new to me. Nothing's going to be overwhelming. Um, cause I, I saw it all firsthand. I was in the warm room that morning. You know, I did everything with Adeline up until the point to step on the mat. So it was just an invaluable experience to get out there um, and be in that environment. And then just from a non-wrestling perspective, being at the Olympics is like, <laughs> I don't know, like we were there for three weeks, and every single day was a new experience. Um, I got through a lot. I got to go to the gymnastics team final. I was at beach volleyball like every other night. Um, and, and it's such like, it's almost like, I want to use the word community. I don't know if that's the right word to use it, but everyone that's there for the event has the same mentality. Like everyone's just there, like celebrate sport as like cheesy as that sounds. Um, and every time you meet an American fan on the street, like you instantly have all this camaraderie. Uh, we were on our way to beach volleyball one night and we ran into April Ross's parents. Um, Carrie Walsh's uh partner in beach volleyball. Yeah, and they were just so excited to like see other American fans and do. Like, oh, we're going to volleyball! Like, oh, you got to cheer on our daughter! This, this, and this! Like, oh yeah, for sure! And they like gave us like American flags to hold and stuff. And it it was just such a cool experience. Um, and I'm really thankful for it. You know, I, like I said, not just from a wrestling perspective, but just from, like a life perspective in general. I feel like I like learned life lessons and other cheesy sayings like that. You know? No, I mean um, I,
2: I completely understand. How but- was Rio?
3: Oh, it was awesome. You know, all this the media bullshit about how dangerous it was and all that, it was it was, it was just that. It was bullshit. Um, we would walk out in the streets in Copacabana every night. Um, you know, it's like going to any major city. If you're walking out East St. Louis or Detroit or Chicago on a random sketchy alley at 4 o'clock in the morning, yeah, you might run into some problems, you know? Like it, it, but if you're just smart about where you're at, you're with people, you know, there was stuff going on every second of the day. Even at 3 o'clock in the morning, we, like, jumped in on a pickup soccer game one day on the beach. Um and it was just a cool city, you know. It, it, I think they were a great host for the Olympics. Yeah, they, they were their problems or whatever, but I, I had a great time overall.
1: Was that your first Olympics that you got? You've been able to t- to attend? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So. Yeah. So, talk to me about the atmosphere and competing in other countries. What I have to assume is, is the atmosphere for women's wrestling better in, in America, or or do you find it? Better in other countries. I got to assume Japan's probably one of the most craziest atmospheres.
3: Yeah. 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 Like you said, it, it just—it really depends on where you're at. Um, in the U.S., you know, like here at Olympic trials, Olympic trials is the craziest thing I've ever competed in. You know, both times I've wrestled there. You know, Carver Hawkeye Arena is unreal to wrestle, and there's so much history there. And Iowa wrestling fans are so educated on the sport that, you know, they understand good technique. You know, people know when to cheer and applaud when someone does something cool. Um but but every country you're in is completely different. Um, I've been in countries where the day the women wrestle, there's no one in the stands, and I've been in other places where the stands are the most packed those days. Um, but and, and that's kind of the cool part of it is how every culture not just approaches women's wrestling but approaches wrestling in general. Um, there, so, like I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it. Like some countries have such a respect for wrestling. Bulgaria, for example, Bulgarian wrestling fans were awesome. Uh, Junior Worlds there a couple years ago, and it wasn't just like the people for the tournament. They were there. There are people like walking in off the street, like, Oh, wrestling going on. Let's go watch. Like they weren't there for any specific reason. They just wanted to go watch wrestling. Um, where some countries like Thailand, um, when we were there for junior world a couple of years ago in 2012, um, wrestling, isn't that big there. So the stands were only people that were really there for the tournament. Plus a couple of people who kind of walked in to see what was going on, but you know, they're not a huge wrestling country. Um, so it's a different experience everywhere you go, and not just for the wrestling side of it. Um, I've been to so many weird countries in some cases. Like, who goes to Uzbekistan? No one goes to Uzbekistan. Like, it's not, that's not a thing. Like <laughs> You know, I if you're playing there. like that two truth, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're playing two truths and a lie and you say I've been to Uzbekistan, everyone's going to call you out for of that right away is a lie. But fun fact, I've been there. Um, So it's, it's been one of the coolest parts of my entire wrestling career is the opportunity to go overseas and experience different cultures and all that.
1: So where's your favorite place to go wrestle, to wrestle at other than the United States?
3: To wrestle? Like in terms of like where like the actual environment was the best?
1: Yeah, like overseas. What's your favorite country to go to wrestle and um, to compete in?
3: Hmm, that's a hard one. I actually really like Bulgaria. Um, and Hungary was really cool too. I, I think as a women's national team, everyone really has a really high opinion of Budapest. Um, it's just a really, know, it's a cool environment. Trips there are always good. Uh, and I've always enjoyed it.
1: Nice. All right, so I gotta let's let's talk for a second. So over the last three yeah. years, I think you've been a part of the uh, the women's national team, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So you yep. spent some time living and training at the Olympic Training Center. Uh, talk about that experience.
3: Um, it, it was it was definitely an experience. Uh, you know, there's kind of this mentality right now where, when you graduate, you know, if you're one of those top girls, you're on the national team. When you graduate from college, you go to the training center. That's just kind of what you do. Um, so when I graduated from college, you know, I, that, you know, I got invited to move out there and that's what I did. You know, it was a no brainer to me. Um, and, and within the first couple months of living there, I started to notice that it, it wasn't really what I expected it to be. Um, it, it had nothing to do really with the training. You know what I mean? Obviously you have great coaches there. You have great facilities. You have good partners. Um, but I don't, I don't want to say wrestling isn't my life. That's not really the re- best way of putting it. Um wrestling isn't the only thing I care about and the mentality with a, a lot of what happens at the training center is like wrestling is all that matters and it's not like something they put in your head you know it's not like the coach is like oh all you can care about but it's kind of what happens you live on complex there and like all you kind of do is like the, the, the routine of living at the training center is waking up eating breakfast going to practice going to eat lunch At once you talk about practice you go back to your room you watch Netflix you wake up from your nap you go to practice again you go eat dinner at dinner you talk about practice you go back to your room, you talk to your roommate about what you talked about at dinner. And what you talked about with dinner was practice and you go to bed and then you wake up and eat breakfast and go to practice and you do this all over again, every single day of your life. Um, and I know that was a lot that is put out there, but like, that's all you do. Like people talk about go eat, sleep, wrestle. Like literally all you do is eat, sleep, wrestle. Um, and, and that's not for me. You know, I love the sport. I work my ass off. And sometimes people perceive that as like saying like I'm lazy or I don't care. Um, and that's not true. For me, I, I care about wrestling, but wrestling is fun for me. And you kind like, look at NCA's last weekend. Um, in every Kale Sanderson interview, he said, talk about fun, you know. And when I was living there, wrestling stopped being fun for me. It became a job. And when wrestling is a job for me, I don't enjoy it anymore. Um, and part of what it was is that, like, at the end of the day, I'm a 22. Like, when I was living there, I was 22 years old. And part of me just wanted to be a 22-year-old kid. And I don't mean that in the sense, like, oh, I want to go out and party every night, but I want to be able to have freedom to do what I want. Like, there are days now where, like, there are weekends where I spontaneously just, like, drive down to, like, Knoxville or, like, Asheville, North Carolina and just spend a weekend there, like, doing whatever I want. I just take my car down there and just explore. And I don't really – I didn't have that freedom there to do what I wanted. Um I ended up getting a part-time job just because I was bored. Um, and, and seriously, yeah, I got a job at Exploring Goods because I was bored. Um, just because I needed to, like, I needed to get off complex and have stimulation from people who weren't wrestlers. Because um, it was almost, it was mentally taxing and like it was, almost, it was depressing in a way. You know, you live on complex, you have to scan an ID card seven times to get just to get from on complex to get in your room. You scan the gate, you scan at the athlete center, you scan to get into your dorm, you scan again to get into your room, and like it was like i don't know it was so draining to me um like and like drunk. i just dreaded going yeah 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 you become like a robot and you just get into this routine and a routine isn't for me you know I, I like to get out and stuff and one of my best friends i'm getting on a tangent here but one of my best friends mariah seibert has never played a sport a day in her life like i remember one time like we were having a birthday party with one of my friends and we were like trying to light the candles on the cake And she's so weak, she couldn't even get the button down on the lighter to light the the lighter to get the candles lit. Like, she is so unathletic. So, like, when I talk to her, like, because she knows I wrestle, but, like, I'll be like, oh, Mariah, I placed the tournament this weekend. She's like, cool, I don't care. I don't even know what that means. Um, And it's almost refreshing in a way that she doesn't value me for being a wrestler. You know, she's just my friend. And, like, our friendship has nothing, like, as much as I love talking about wrestling, like I said, wrestling isn't my life. Um, and that's kind of what was happening there is all I could ever think about was wrestling. And it was so stressful. Like I would, you know, this is like in like November and Olympic trials were in April. And all I could ever think about was Olympic trials. Like I would lay in bed at night awake for hours, like Olympic trials, Olympic trials, Olympic trials. And it's not because that's the way I think, but that's the mentality I was in living there. Because, you know, when you're there, wrestling is your job. Um, and it just, it, it wasn't for me. And uh, ultimately, I ended up leaving about a month before Olympic trials. And and there were a couple of things that led to that. But ultimately, I I just think it was the best decision for me to leave there um, and come back to King. And and I honestly never should have left in the first place. We've won four straight national titles for a reason. I think it's the best training environment in the country. We have the best coaches. We have good partners. um, And and it worked for me for four years. And I I shouldn't have left. But like I said, there's nothing – like there's nothing wrong about the training center people. There's people that need to train like that and they need to have wrestling as their life. Um, like I said, you have great coaches, you have great training partners, you have great facilities and sports med, but I, I'm not one of those people. Um, I have priorities outside of wrestling. Like right now, you know, I have a full-time job. I went back to grad school in January and those are all priorities to me.
0: Nice. Um,
3: and you know what I mean? Like I, I have a life outside of wrestling. I don't want to value myself as just a wrestler. You know, when I graduate this time next year, I'm gonna have a master's degree, and that's a big accomplishment to me. You know, I, my life isn't just you know how many medals I win. I don't want you know, my value. You know, when you're there, your value to everyone around you is who you are as a wrestler. And you know, I I, I take pride in what I do. You know, my athletic accomplishments, but I take just as much pride in you know you like said you know going back to school in having a full time job. I take pride in the fact that I have a four oh one K right now that I'm off my parents' insurance at twenty four years old, you know? And for and those sure. are the kinds of things that people don't necessarily like view as priorities there. And I, I just think that I, I have a little bit different mentality. And like I listen, there's no right or wrong you know what I mean like training center is a great place. But and there's no right or wrong way to train, but it was wrong for me. Um and I think since I've been back at King, my wrestling has started improving again. When I was there I wasn't improving not because I didn't have the right tools but because you know I would go like I said I would dread going to practice because I was just so miserable like living like, living like that um and, and I think part of like the whole training center mentality is that w- when before women's wrestling was really prominent in college you had this belief that like not belief but it was true that if you wanted to go if you want to wrestle to the next level you kind of had to go to the training center it was your only option um and so even like, you know, there was a couple college programs, but it wasn't enough. Girls had to go to the training center to get those next level opportunities and partners and coaches. And now that we have so many strong college programs, it's not really necessary anymore. You know, if you look at like the men's freestyle side of things, they have that RTC system set up for a reason. If you look at our Olympic team, you know, most of those guys are still training with their colleges. Look Correct. at Jordan Burroughs, look at James Green, look at Kyle Snyder they're still training at their colleges. And it's not because the training center isn't a great place to train, but it's because they have the tools they need where they are. And they realize that staying with what they know and what's worked for them has a lot of benefits. Um, I think that's kind of where we're at with women's college wrestling right now is that you don't have to go to the training center anymore if you don't want to. Um, You know, it's, they said there's some people that it's great for, but it wasn't great for me. Um, and, and King is a great training situation for me. I've succeeded there before, and now being back here, I'm succeeding again. And I, I think it, we're going to start seeing more of that. Like, we're going to move more to that RTC system as girls realize that they have good coaches where they're at, and that staying with what they know is going to work in the long run. Um, so, you know, I, I know it sounds like a, like a training center hate rant, which isn't the case. You know, it's a great place, but it, it was just wrong for me. So I'm, I'm happy with my decision to come back to King, and uh, it, it's going well so far.
1: No, I don't think it's a hate rant at all. I mean, definitely, that—that's an mm-hmm. honest assessment for yourself, and I think that's probably the responsible thing to do when you're trying to make the best decisions mm-hmm. to put you in the the best possible place to succeed. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned that wrestling—you know—it isn't your life. Obviously, it's a big part of your life. Obviously, it's a huge love mm-hmm. of yours. Um, I can tell that just from mm-hmm. the simple fact that you're a, a complete wrestling. That's nerd. all I tweet about. Right, we, <laughs> we love it. Um, mm-hmm. cr- correct me if I'm wrong. You double majored. You marketing in mm-hmm. Spanish, correct?
3: Yes, my undergrad. Yeah.
1: Okay. And what's your postgrad in?
3: I'm um, getting my MBA with a specialization in healthcare administration.
1: Okay. So what's the plan when when wrestling's done? What's the plan for you?
3: I have no idea. <laughs> to be entirely honest with you. Um, but but that was, you know, kind of the reason I went back to school, you know. Wrestling's not going to be there forever. Um, and that's kind of again, like what the training center, you know, is some people, you know, are there and you know the school isn't a priority for them for me my education was really important and being back at king i was able to go back to grad school um after wrestling i might do mma i actually started doing jujitsu and kickboxing recently um so an M- mma career is is in the works for sure
0: really um
3: but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's that's kind of my next plan actually i'm trying to fight by the end of september I mean, it'll just be like an amateur fight but that that's that's kind of one of my next steps um so that'll be fun But like I said, I'm not going to be an athlete forever. You know, I don't see myself at 45 years old, even coaching wrestling really. Um, So I'd kind of like to move like into that healthcare field. I was actually a nursing major for my first like year of college um, before I realized there was no possible way to do that and do wrestling.
0: Um,
3: So, you know, I'm going to have a professional career. I don't know if it's going to be in the next five years, but that's in the works. And that's something, like I said, like wrestling isn't my life. Um, I got to prepare for my future. You know, I'm not going to be an athlete forever. So, uh, I have I have a I don't have a plan yet, but I at least have the steps I need to get there and I'll have the resources I need once I come to that point.
1: Gotcha. Makes makes perfect sense. I mean, obviously, you you sound like, you know, I think you come across social media and I think you want to come across this way. You're kind of like the uh, the kid that doesn't want to grow up, but you kind of got to grow up. So (laughs) so you've kind of grown up a little bit, but you're holding on to a lot of the, the youthfulness. Um,
3: yeah, I, I'm like in denial. Kind
1: of absolutely. Look, I, I'm going to be 37 years old next week and I'm still in denial. So it, it, it's, it's like that forever. Um, <laughs> Let's, let's talk a little – let's just talk wrestling in general quick. We've, I mean, I know we've had you on – look, we've been talking to you for over an hour. I don't want to take up a whole lot more of your time. You're obviously a busy person. But there's been a lot of crazy stuff that kind of came out today in the wrestling world. Um, what, do yeah. you, what do you think of these coaches that are ending up at Iowa State and Virginia Tech? I think Iowa State, we got Brett Metcalf, we've got – uh, Zadig, Derek St. John joining Kevin Dresser, and then it was just announced that at Virginia Tech we've got Jared Freyer and Frank Molinero. What are your thoughts on that?
3: It's wild, man. I mean, <laughs> I could rant about this for hours, but what I mean, just talking about Iowa State first. Um, you I know, Hawkeye Dresser fans are just higher. going
1: crazy, right?
3: Oh, have you been on the Hawkeye report today? It is like they're melting down. It is I, like I seen it, it yet. is a dumpster fire. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you got it, dude! It's, it's total It's literally imploding. People, they don't even, and they're like, you have like for every one comment that's like, "Oh, good for them," I wish them nothing but the best. There's nine comments of people that suddenly hate Brett Metcalf and that think he's trash. And they like hate I never even liked Derek St. John. He sucks. I'm like, oh, you like the oh 21 NCAA title, but oh. like, it's yeah. It, there's a lot of bitterness and a lot of salt being thrown around, but
1: it's funny, wildly
3: entertaining. It,
1: 'Cause ba- back in the day I think uh it was the Iowa fans were blaming Kevin Dresser on not, you know, on the whole not Metcalf releasing yeah, Metcalf. not releasing Metcalf. That's yeah. This kind of adds a little bit of a I don't know maybe a conundrum to wait. their their theory.
2: I just thought about that. Oh yeah. So wait, wait, hold on. Yeah. So Metcalf just went and he's coaching now for the coach that kind of supposedly. fucked him over. Supp- supposedly.
3: Supposedly supposedly
1: didn't release him from Virginia Tech. <laughs> oh my God. So there's a lot of kind yeah. of, you know, look, I don't know the whole story. I'm not even going to act like I would know what the story is, but now the whole, the things that are coming out on social me- media is that maybe there might not have been a lot of, you know, maybe they're misrepresentation of the truth from uh, from a couple of guys by the name of Tom and Terry. Oh,
2: little
3: Tom yeah. and Terry misrepresentation, huh? Yeah. So what I. I mean, this is kind of like what I've always been under the impression of. Cause I'm from Michigan. Brent Metcalf's a Michigan guy. He's from Davidson, about 25 minutes away yep. from me. So when Brent Metcalf first signed Virginia Tech, first there was a lot of salt because he didn't stay in state. Um, everyone was kind of bummed about it mm-hmm. and whatever. So he goes to Virginia Tech because uh, Tom Brands was there. And right after he signs, um, after that year, Tom took the job at Iowa. And Brent wanted to go with Tom because that's ultimately what got him to go to Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech, regardless of who it was, didn't release him. And Iowa's the story was that it was Kevin Dresser who came in and said, no, you're going to wrestle for me and this, this, and this. Um, and that was just kind of always the impression everyone was under. And then this happens today. And what I've seen on like, message boards and stuff is that it wasn't Kevin Dresser who did it. Because someone made a comment. They're like, oh, like, it seems like Brett Metcalf is forgiving uh, Kevin Dresser. And then I saw a comment today saying that it was never Kevin Dresser. It was the athletic department who wouldn't release him. Um,
0: right.
3: Which, and I don't know which it is. You know, I'm not in the know. But I think it was that's usually more the case. And, and, yeah, I think so, too. It's, you know, I think that's the kind of thing that Breck Metcalf wouldn't have forgiven that easily and taken the job with him if it was Dresser who was the reasoning behind that. Um, so that that's my opinion on it. How um, good is I was going
2: to get, like, Super quick, dude.
3: Oh, it's awesome! It's awesome. Um,
0: They're gonna get good. I think with that fast. coaching,
3: yeah, yeah, I think it won't be very long. Because um, they have the talent on their roster right now. You look at their roster right now of guys who didn't even compete this year. They have Sammy Colberry on their roster. They have Gannon Gremo on their roster. Um, Ronaldo Rodriguez Spencer is there. You know, they they have these guys that need to be right? developed. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, came in store, Ian Parker. Um, ton, got, you know, tons of talented kids.
2: I heard Pat Downey's coming. And
3: back. Uh, just stop, don't. I love Pat. I can't even hate. Like, hey, Pat, Pat's we, my we boy. Had, I, we, had,
2: we had Pat on our podcast, so we, you know,
3: you he, had two two members of Team Pattaya because Pat was on that team in town with me too in 2012.
1: So, so true so. story. Ironically, Julia, like uh, today, I, I I finally just balled up and said, "I'm going to follow Pat Downey on Snapchat." That guy's Snapchat stories leave me. I, I think I laughed like ten times today at work. Just
0: out loud. Oh, they're awesome!
1: They are awesome. <laughs> I don't. I don't him have him and Snapchat. Ben
3: Provisor killed a rooster on their Snapchat the other day. What? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, cause he because he he's out in Wisconsin out with Ben and, uh, and like he had been Snapchatting this chicken for like four or five days and <laughs> yeah. finally he's like today we're killing the chicken and then like a couple hours later there's a picture of Ben Provisor holding this chicken by its neck dead. So
2: I, I don't know how to prove it. You know. I do not approve. Of, I do not approve of the cruelty to animals. You gotta eat, bro. No, I I, I don't eat chicken.
0: Jesus.
1: <laughs> you, I feel like you're lying. You, don't. <laughs> yeah, Ben's lying. All right, <laughs> all right, Julie. Let's. Uh, I want to wrap it up with just a couple other questions with, with you, real quick. Mm. Um, let, let me. What?
2: I gotta ask
1: it. Okay, Ben's got a question for I, us.
2: I ask it to every one of our Let's guests. Let's hear it. I ask it to every one of our guests. It's not even cool. It's just it makes me feel better about myself and about my life. So <laughs> you were at the NCAA tournament, obviously. Uh-oh. Yes, sir. And, and you were at the <laughs> – are you I, laughing?
1: Can't, I can't believe
2: you're asking
3: her this. Yeah. Now I'm nervous. No. I it, wasn't nervous. Now I'm nervous. No, it has
2: nothing to do with you. <laughs> Did, was that two for Bojo? Yes, all
3: day. Yeah! yeah. Absolutely. But how many times in your life have you seen a guy on his hip with both, both like, completely legs covered. covered and it's yeah. not a takedown?
1: Look, I have seen and, that and one time. One time.
3: Like, and if I'm being honest, I wanted Mark Hall to win that match just because he's he actually he's a Michigan guy. Um I know person, you know Mark March my friend, but can you, can you hang up on How do you hang up? Can, how do we hang up on this? I oh, yeah. I just stop. <laughs> but, but that being said, Bo Jordan got screwed in that match.
2: Yeah. He did get
1: screwed in that match. All
2: right, we're we're putting that yeah. as our intro.
3: <laughs> no, I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs> All right, Julia, last question for you. Um, yeah. How much longer are you going to compete? Are you going through the 2020 cycle?
3: Um, That's the plan right now. You know, I I plan on wrestling through Tokyo. But uh, I'm kind of taking it on a year-by-year basis, you know. Like I said before, I'm kind of enjoying wrestling again for what it is. Um,
0: Good. Good. You know, there
3: you. are days. And what kind of, I can kind of afford to do right now with how I'm training is that if I come in today and, like, I'm just, like – if something hurts, you know, I'm like, oh uh, I'm banged up. I don't have to train anymore. You know what I mean? Like I can I have the autonomy to say, uh, I don't want to wrestle today. Um and that's something I haven't really had the ability to do since high school really. Um and you know, like I said, like I'm enjoying wrestling for that reason again. Uh, I've always said that I do my rest my best wrestling when I don't care. And that's I don't I don't not care about the outcome, but it's just when I'm kinda like wrestling free and like not doing a shit kinda. Um my best tournament all year in this past year was a Canada Cup. And I decided to wrestle the day before weigh-ins. And three days before that, I was sitting at Disneyland in California eating lobster nachos and drinking a jalapeno margarita. And kind of decided to wrestle on, like, a last-minute thing. Ended up taking second at that tournament. My only loss was to the world champ. I beat Mensa there. like, And it was just kind of because I was wrestling for fun. Um, And I was just, you know, like, I was kind of, I, feel like, I sound like Dylan Palacio right now. Like, oh, man, <laughs> like, we convert from this, this, and this. Like, you know, but that's kind of how it is. So I'm I'm just kind of taking it year by year right now. Um, as long as I'm having fun and I'm not taking it too seriously, I I think that I'll keep going as long as I can. Um, like I said, because I can, I'm, I'm taking care of my body more, I guess, you know, if I'm hurt, I don't practice that day. Um, so I'm having fun training. I'm having fun competing right now. So, uh, the plan is to go through 2020, but the day I stop not having fun with it, I'll be done. Um, and, and I love wrestling and I love the sport and, but I love it differently as an athlete than I do as a fan. Um, so I'll always love the sport, but. I'll be done when I stop having fun as an athlete. Uh, But I'm not at that point right now. So I I think 2020 is definitely definitely in the cards right now.
1: Gotcha. And look, I can attest to this, people. This is a girl who was literally at – Ballpark Village, Uh-oh. St. Louis, Uh-oh. NCAA's, <laughs> kicking back, having a maybe, maybe maybe had a vodka tonic or two, and then she went out yeah, one University yeah. Nationals like like a week or two later. So um, yeah, that's having fun. And, and, um, and you
3: want to know a fun fact? I've never lost University Nationals the week after attending NCAA's.
1: Well, you better go every year then.
3: So, dude, yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's it's the key to success. If, if you ask Allie Reagan, I was fueled by vodka, tonics, and fireball shots. So we're all good. <laughs> so we're going to see you
2: next year in
1: Cleveland?
3: Oh, hell yeah. Hell right. yeah.
2: We'll be there. All
1: right. I lied. I actually have two more questions for you, but they are very easy. First one, I got to know. What's your favorite thing to do, non-wrestling related, and besides social media? Because I know you love social media.
3: <laughs> well, this is hard. So I was going to say eat. My favorite thing to do is eat at really good places and then put it on Snapchat. So, that's, I don't I don't know if that that applies or not. You know that that um, applies. But, but I'm, I, yeah, and, and like I'm not just like, like saying like oh I'm a fatty. I like to eat. Like I really enjoy like being a foodie. Um, whenever I go out of town somewhere, I love to find the best restaurants, find the best holes in the wall. Um, I love to cook. Like like I like not just like oh like I can make you know chicken and you know like you know, like those like tasty things you see on Facebook. Where it's like those four minute meals. Oh, yeah. and they show you how to make like one pan chicken. Like some of those are probably good, but like. That's not cool. To, like, I like to watch, like, MasterChef and then, like, learn how flavors work together and, like, learn, like, you know, I like think I have a pretty refined palate. Um, so, like, I appreciate food on, like, a very different le- level than just, like, oh, I love food and I love to eat crappy food. Like, I like good food. Um So, I, I'd say that's honestly my favorite thing is just, like, cooking and, like, you know, finding cool places to eat
1: look ben and i can both appreciate that i think we're kind of the same way Mm -hmm. all right last question for you you've got the big tournament coming up next month you've got your world team trials at the end of april um can we expect to see you at the men's world team trials in lincoln nebraska in
0: june
3: um i'm actually trying to figure out planning on going out right now um we're kind of working out with our camp right now uh like our our women's camp at king uh by the way i'm gonna drive out actually um mainly because I can drive to Iowa and go to Zombie Burger, which is my favorite burger restaurant oh, in the world. Oh, love dude, Zombie Burger. Um, dude, I love Christ Zombie Burger. Dude, I, like, there is nothing better than a Ray Gun and, like, a big thing. Like, they have, like, those, like, fries where you can get, like, poutine yep. and cheese fries and yep. regular fries. And they have, like, alcoholic milkshakes. Like, I, I don't yep. know what else you want in life than that. Like, I don't... No, that's it's pretty so much good. it. It's that's so pretty good.
2: much all
3: I
1: want in life. It's funny. Look, I'm planning, yeah. we're planning on heading out there as well, and I was looking at the uh, the directions to get out there, and I was like, wait a minute. We're going to pass. Right through Des Moines, man. Right through Des Moines. Right through Des Moines. <laughs> I got to stop at Zombie <laughs> Burger. Get me a burger, a craft beer, an alcoholic milkshake. You know, that's what life's about, right? That's,
3: that's living the dream right there, man.
1: All right, Julia. Listen, man, thanks so much. We've had you mm-hmm. on for a little over an hour and a half. We appreciate <laughs> your time. Um yeah, so, man. so happy we got to meet you at Ballpark Village, St. Louis, and the NCAAs this year. We wish you the best of luck. Um, is there anything else you want to say to close us out?
3: No, I'm good. Um, if you're ever bored, follow me on Twitter, at Jay Um And if you want to follow the best women's wrestling team in the country, it's at King U wrestling. Um, Post a lot of cool stuff on there, interviews with our athletes and all that. And then my Twitter is just a junk feed of like half-talking about food, half-talking about wrestling. So hit me up.
1: We love it. All right. Thanks so much. We appreciate cool. having you on. We'll talk to you later.
3: It's been real. Thanks, guys.
1: All right. So there you have it. That was Julia Salada, women's national team member coming off a university nationals championship and getting ready to compete in the World Team Trials next month in Las Vegas. What a great flipping interview man it was, it
2: was a great interview and look and her accolades speak for themselves and she's a fantastic wrestler i've actually got you know before this interview went back and you know watched a bunch of her matches like i said i'm gonna kind of help her out with that low single um, <laughs> but you know i just like talking wrestling with her like it's just fun to talk wrestling man she's got great ideas you know I, and she said that she wasn't going to be a coach when she gets older and you know that's fine, but man, she's got so much to offer. So,
1: you know, true story. Like when we got to meet her out at Ballpark Village, um, this you know this past NCAA's in St. Louis. You know, I said, "Hey, she." You know, we were talking about the podcast. Said, we "Would love to have you on." She said, "You know, I could get you guys Haley Agello on," and uh, I said, "You know, that would be great, but we really want to have you on because." You know it, it it can't be denied she's not only is she a great wrestler, a great competitor, but she's also just such a great fan of the sport, and she knows so much and i I just love talking wrestling with people and you and I said this in the beginning, one of the reasons we did this, yes, we want to help grow wrestling but what was the other reason we said we wanted to do this?
2: Basically to find other people to talk wrestling with.
1: Exactly. And she is by far one of the coolest people to talk wrestling with. So really enjoyed this episode. I hope everybody else who listened you know, enjoyed it as much as we did. Ben, you got anything else to say?
2: No, man. Just hit us up on uh, Twitter or email or anything like that. We really love to talk wrestling.
1: Yeah, we love the feedback we've gotten. Um, So as Ben said, hit us on Twitter at The Inside Trip 1. Send us an email to The Inside Trip 1 at gmail.com. We've even got a Facebook page out there now. Find us on Facebook. It's The Inside Trip Facebook page. So all right, guys. Hope you enjoyed this. Have a great day. And if we can offer you one piece of advice, don't wind up on your back, bro.